0: about wrestling. Ah, hey everybody, we're back and
1: we have the first episode of the new year. We have a lot to talk about. First and foremost, Kevin Dunn leaving the WWE. Actually, I think he was fired. There's a big movement with contractors being no more. We have a new president. No, not that president. We have President Tanahashi. And we're going to talk about the Zigman showing up in TNA. We're going to do our matches of the week. And now that we've all finally seen the Iron Claw, I think it wouldn't be a wrestling podcast if we didn't give our, our, our thorough review on it. So that's what we're going to get into for this week. So, gents, if you're ready,
0: let's talk some shop.
1: Man, no. So um, I know this, um, This we, we kind of touched on it in our year in review, but um, it's, uh, I think, definitely worth mentioning. Um, and that's um, Kevin Dunn getting let go by the WWE after, I think, 30 plus years. Um, mm-hmm. And why I think this is important um, is Kevin Dunn was really influential um, in WWE, WWF, you know, years ago, really gaining a foothold in the television market um if i'm if I'm not mistaken he was the the kind of the the television guru um and was also vince mcMahon's like essentially right hand man um and so with him being gone
0: he was vince mcMahon's bitch oh yeah <laughs> yeah, bitch, yeah
1: yeah right um <laughs> i think that's more aptly put it's stupid um, yes, man. No, yeah. Well, no. I mean, he. You know. I mean, this guy. I mean, you know, the Attitude Era. Um. W- you know, he was really responsible for again, a lot, getting a lot of stuff on TV. Um. And I think the reason, um, not the not the reason, but I think it's important to talk about in our clickbait, um, is that like I guess since he's been gone, a ton of stuff has changed as far as production the delivery of promos. Um, I don't know if you've noticed the promos have started to change. Uh, I've been watching um, really out of sheer boredom, uh, more SmackDown and raw, and they're starting to do more of these um, kind of in the moment promos. Um, I, a good example is one of the most recent ones with Tyler Bate and hopefully the soon to be uh, Pete Dunn um, where it's, <laughs> you know, they're kind of, they're having coffee, they're chatting, etc. cetera. And, you know, that was, it was, that was kind of a, not a no, no, but it wasn't, I don't know how to say it, but it was never that style of promo, um, was never big. It was always, you know, kind of in your face quick. It was, you know, you know, backstage and they cut out, they, you know, something would happen and they'd swing over, et cetera. And they never really felt organic or allowed, you know, the wrestlers to really truly get their, their, their point across their, what it is they're trying to sell. Um, and, uh, that's, they, that's a big noticeable change. I actually just read something too, um that uh triple h was working with um oh my goodness who was it somebody in nxt kind of under kevin dunn's nose to do more of those promos like that so that's why there was kind of a change in promos with nxt and now with kevin dunn being gone a lot of people are like oh this gives us more you know creativity uh you know more it, it feels more organic etc so not that that's the only reason to bring him up but just the fact that i mean a a another vince mcmahon Troll <laughs> has, has, <laughs> is has gone the way. Um, and, you know, I honestly think it's for the better. Um, Jim, I think, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm obviously, you know, uh, you know going to throw this to you. You've brought it up several times um, about how, you know, WWE's, uh, you know, production has changed, etc. and whatnot. And, and just wanted to, you know, get your thoughts on why it is, I, I think kind of important that Kevin Dunn is gone and that this is really a, uh, I think kind of a, not a rebuild, but a a better fit for where WWE is wanting to go uh, right now. So you know Jim, would love to get your thoughts on you know kind of Kevin Dunn getting the axe.
0: Yeah, fuck that guy. I would say that <laughs> Kevin Dunn has, he, he he served a purpose, but that purpose expired twenty five years ago um, and and in, and in television, in media in general, you evolve or you die. And Kevin Dunn refused to evolve. They were still doing segment shows the same way they've been doing since the beginning, since the inception of Monday Night Raw. Kevin Dunn was very, very autocratic in how the things had to be done from a production perspective. Uh, His some call affinity, I call addiction to fast cuts. Uh, really kind of uh, exemplified the product for many, many years. The fact that you couldn't hold the shot, you know, as someone who teaches film and television, that is something I tell my students all the time is never underestimate the power of stillness, you know, the, the power that's held in a static shot. And Kevin Dunn was fucking allergic to just a simple static shot. You had to cut, 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 cut to the point where you can't know what's going on. To me, one of the best kind of summaries or or not necessarily summary, but examples of Kevin Dunn's production style affecting the product was when Randy Orton went through that phase of the punt, right? The first few times Randy Orton did the punt, right? It was Randy Orton old school doing a punt, right? Where he would glance the guy, right? Well, it was very, very clear very early on that that's fucking dangerous. Uh, That's going to lead to some problems. If you watch when Randy Orton did the punt, right? He had that whole string there. He he was knocking guys out, laying guys out, putting them on the shelf. Mm -hmm. If you watch most of those incidents, there's a cut right before Randy goes for the kick, right before he connects. And they cut angles. So then that way, because Randy Orton figured out if they cut angles at this moment, then when I go to do the punt, I can clearly miss him, but the camera angle will make it look like I made contact. will make it look like I went through him. Right. And so Randy Orton's entire storyline about, you know, putting people out of commission was really only possible because of Kevin Dunn's style of, of production and of technique. And you're right. They have, they've already been changing it. Tommaso Ciampa cutting a promo on his way to the ring on raw, right? That, no fucking way kevin dunn allows that to happen he needs you standing in front of a backdrop and you're talking into camera with an interviewer there that doesn't happen under kevin dunn so really important changes to come i think we're going to see bigger and bigger changes moving forward because again he just he refused to evolve he was still thinking it was 1998 and you know, trust me. If I wear my clothes in 1998, everybody else points out to me it's not 1998. Somebody pointed out to Kevin Dunn that shit doesn't fly anymore, right? You can't walk around in in hammer pants and expect people to be okay with it. Well, you can't run promos like you did when it was Rock Austin. That just doesn't work in the modern era. No,
1: and you made a good point. I mean, it it his his style, and, and I'll actually have to go back and watch. I don't think I ever really realized how crucial Kevin Dunn's you know shooting style I guess was was kind of beneficial to Randy Orton's you know the whole punting um bit he was doing sorry I just it makes me laugh <laughs> just, punting? he just he Punt. just punted people um <laughs> no but it worked in the 90s the 90s was fast it was crazy you know kind of more of that I, I, I don't want to say smash mouth but I mean just quick cuts and it it worked honestly thinking about the now thinking about it the the raw opening was just like in your face very fast very you know so it worked and he just never got out of that uh and 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 whatnot um jim i wanted to ask it was he i know obviously vince had a um you know a stranglehold on his product but did kevin dunn have anything to do with like how talky some of the raws were i mean i don't know if you remember where it was like Oh my God! Fifteen minutes of talking before we actually even got to a match and whatnot. And I, I was that more of a Kevin Dunn production thing, or was no, that just more of a was that a Vince? Okay, I wasn't sure if yeah, that was more of a Kevin thing. Dunn thing.
0: Yeah, Kevin Dunn was the director of production, right? So he was in charge of of how it was shot, how it was uh, you know cut, okay. how it was produced live. Um, so you know the the television components are what you're going to blame Kevin Dunn for. The content stuff not i mean he admittedly you can see in some of the great documentaries that have come out in the last couple of years last 20 years i should say um you you'll see kevin dunn pop in there in the background you can always tell who he is because he's a fucking weasel uh he's got these absurd buck teeth and you know he just he looks like a rat fuck uh so but like you'll see him having involvement in meetings of giving creative input, but his job title itself, his actual responsibilities was was production. Uh but because he was such an ass kisser to Vince and because he had Vince's ear, I think he did get a lot more say uh in creative ideas than anybody else would have in that position.
1: Yeah, because I was going to say, and and Tom, obviously want to get your thoughts on this as well. Um, you know, I think that's what he also became known as, is was Vince's yes, man, where it was like, clearly this is a bad idea. Like I, I had, rem- I think. Um, and again, this is this is all hearsay, allegedly, etc. Et um, but the the undertaker terrorist angle after the whole um, what was it? Oh, was it London? I think I I, yeah. God, I don't want to, I thought it was the whole London. Ter- yeah, oh yeah. Right. With the, with the bus um, they decided to air something right after with uh, uh, what was it? Muhammad Hassan. Muhammad um, Hassan. And, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Where he brings out these mass terrorists and yada, yeah, they were running the whole angle, but I I had heard that Kevin Dunn, like a lot of people were like, not a good idea. And Kevin Dunn was like, no, you should do it. You know what I mean? He again was just that quintessential. Yes, man. Vince and I, again allegedly because God I I hope that's not true um, with how awful that, that segment was um but I thought it was it was you know obviously Vince has the the end all say all at that point he did but I had heard Kevin Dunn had also you know was very like oh no you should do it you know he was just con- that 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 consummate yes man to Vince where it wasn't
2: nah mm,
1: <laughs> not a good idea
2: leave it to the WWE and Vince McMahon. Like years after like the the worst mass tragedy of the United States to to just like pull gimmicks on people and be like you know I think I think America's ready for terrorism like <laughs> no you fucking morons it's not like we're not ready for that uh, well did you guys know that uh, uh, Kevin Dunn is Pete's dad. Pete Dunn's dad, nah, you guys nah, know? Nah, I nah, had to nah, make a dad nah, joke, nah, you guys. Nah, nah. Come on. <laughs> I was,
0: I've been waiting to
2: make that joke while you're
0: no, laughing away production. Great, wouldn't it be great if he was one half of the 90s tag team well done? That would be fucking beautiful. <laughs> and I, for the record, for those of you at home, Google well done WWF. And tell me though that is not the finest man ass you've ever seen in your life. Those boys were wearing thongs in the 90s, way before Alita did. So groundbreakers, yep. innovators, and well Billy Gunn, thank you. And Billy Gunn as well. He was also there before Billy Gunn. But yeah, well done. Great tag team. Well <laughs> who
1: who was the guy? Who was the guy in ECW that he has finished was the money clip? And he always he wore like see-through shorts and like, like it was like a oh, neon kid, kid No, what? Easy money. Right. Wasn't that, oh. a,
0: <laughs> there was a, yeah, there was a guy named easy money. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, one think it's
2: really that that Kevin Dunn is gone. He was notoriously known for like planting in like pops and booze and mm. like the, the, You're you as a wrestling company are in some serious trouble if you have to pipe in like an audience reaction. And he was he's been doing that for for years. You guys remember when. Was it the crowd like one of the crowds turned on on one of the raws like a couple years ago and McMahon, the McMahon family with (laughs) Triple H came out and was like, hey, we're going to listen to the fans and everything. And that that like stirred a lot of like, oh, man, I think Pete or Pete Dunn. What the kevin dunn my, my yeah, dad yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so kevin kevin dunn was like there was like oh man there's possibilities is he gonna get fired and of course in true vince mcmahon fashion was like i'm not the problem all of you are and so <laughs> like he, he, they changed nothing and like they still planted like the, the 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 booze and the the cheers and like the chants and stuff didn't he was not wasn't kevin dunn the one who like Royally missed AJ Styles coming out in the Rumble.
0: Yes, yeah. Uh, they, when he fucked up the yeah AJ Styles entrance because yeah. he had the camera on Roman Reigns' face, right? yeah, which it, was a good shot. But then not realizing that the Tron came up with phenomenal, and so the crowd's popping. Everybody knows what's going on in house, but when you're watching at home, you're like, "What the fuck is happening?"
2: Yes, Roman is just reading. He's like,
0: "Phenomenal." Like, uh, what's, a, what's a pahanama? What, oh, sorry. That's that's if Tom was reading it. What's a pahanama? <laughs> Accurate.
2: Pihamino. Oh, normal, you know, AJ Styles. <laughs> but yeah, man, good readings. I think it's, I, I, I kind of wish we would go back to the old like WWF golden era vignettes of like the million dollar man. Closing an entire pool because he wanted to swim. Like, that's what we need to
1: go back to. (laughs) Razor Razor Marone. Wow. Razor Marone. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. Who, Mike?
2: Razor Marone?
1: (laughs) Good old Razor Marone.
2: (laughs) Hi, guys.
1: Oh man, have you have you gone down like and watched some of those old promos of his where he's he's like trying to perfect the Cuban accent and it's uh, fucking hilarious. We're like fantastic. one one week he's spot on and then the other week it's like what what are you doing, man? Yeah.
2: <laughs> one week he's spot You're on and the next he's like, showing. The next he's like,
1: hey yo.
0: <laughs> what i thought you were like a scarface guy i remember the first time i saw scarface because i knew razor ramon first because i was a child and then like later on i saw scarface i'm like man this guy's a lot like razor ramon <laughs> did you so, not ago, to get too
2: was like a, a huge mark
1: <laughs> You're right well did you hear the did, have you guys ever heard jim i'm you might have tom eh, i don't know uh, yeah, have you month. ever <laughs> have you ever heard the the story about Scarface and Razor Ramon and like Vince McMahon? Have you ever heard about that?
0: Yes, about how yeah Vince had never had no idea mm-hmm. what it was, had no idea and all, thought Razor here, Ramon man. came. First of all,
2: no, shut up for a second. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> for for a second, I thought this was going to be like, hey, did you know some like deep cut Scott Hall bullshit <laughs> AWA? <laughs> And you were you legitimately thought I didn't know that Scott Hall pitched Scarface to Vince McMahon?
0: <laughs> I, Tom, I, you surprised we're me. We're not brothers anymore, week. all right? We don't we don't know what you don't know. We don't know what you don't know.
2: Hey, yeah, I lot wrong. Come
0: on, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just say, I just think did that's you know, hilarious. He was been- supposed to be like Magnum TA's partner or replacement? Like, <laughs> that's what I'm. Well, oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, did you know Scott <laughs> Hall left WWF to be to go to WCW to form the NWO? <laughs> what Mike, are you serious?
1: Shut
2: up. <laughs> the next thing you're going to tell me, Kevin Nash went over there. <laughs>
1: i'll see you when i believe it yeah. <laughs> tom it happened over 30 you. years ago
0: yeah still uh, i myself. don't know i don't
1: know it's still real to all of us so oh God. <laughs> no yeah, i mean good riddance egg yeah 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 no good riddance <laughs> uh and speaking of uh good riddance um mm-hmm. it uh and and you know jim we're gonna lean on uh you again on this one because i know you had brought it up uh, several months ago when we actually talked and it sounds like it's it's coming into fruition um, yeah, and that's essentially uh, with um, it, it, it I'm paraphrasing it best here basically the WWE is is from the sounds of it not going to be able to consider their employees contractors anymore um, and they're actually going to have to treat them like full-time employees god forbid and you know actually give them things like health insurance and all that fun stuff. But Jim, just, again, I'm, I'm kind of in the dark in this one. Um, but you know, please shed
0: some light on it. So this, this story is wonderful to me because it's an intersection of three of my absolute favorite things in the world to talk about. And that is professional wrestling, uh, labor protections, uh, for workers in the United States and U S government and politics. I love all three of those. And they all, pile together here so basically (laughs) there's gonna be a little bit of a civics lesson to go along with this so 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 bear with me right so the united states department of labor ruled on january 10th that independent contractors have to be identified as employees of the company if they meet six new standards now basically these new standards roll back the 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 judgment that was made by the last presidential administration and it now makes it harder for a company to label an employee, an independent contractor. So I'm going to read you the six criteria and you tell me if these sound familiar, right? Okay. Number one, can the worker negotiate their own pay? Right. I think obviously the answer of professional wrestling would be yes. Right. Number two, does the employer set the schedules and handle discipline of employees? Again, I think in professional wrestling the answer is very clear. Yes. Number three, uh, are the is the employment exclusive to that company and or continuous, meaning it's not a one off, it's not project based, but it's an on running, ongoing employment. Again, answer yes. Number four, is the worker critical to the business's central mission? I don't know. Are professional <laughs> wrestlers critical to the central mission of a professional wrestling company? My gut says yes. Number five, do these employees need special training? Again, let's think about this for a minute. Do professional wrestlers (laughs) need to be trained? Let's fucking hope so. And the last criteria, not at all. Clearly, you just show up. I mean, I've watched enough wrestling to know that they just pull guys out of the crowd. (laughs) And the last criteria
1: is,
0: (laughs) does the worker have to make a sizable investment Into their employability, when you consider that wrestlers tend to have their own gear, they are responsible for their own training, they're responsible for their own gym, they're responsible for their own workouts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think the answer is pretty clearly yes. By the new standards laid out by the United States Department of Labor, this means that effective March 11th of 2024, all professional wrestlers at WWE, AEW. TNA must be considered employees. Now, what does that mean? Other than a title shift, it means that as employees under the fair labor standards act or FLSA, the, the employer is required to give them certain things, including health insurance, which is one of the biggest problems that we've seen in professional wrestling of the last 40 years. It's required to give them retirement options, which again, never seen in terms of of professional wrestling for all of these years has to give them overtime opportunities or pay them for overtime. I should say never seen in, in professional wrestling before basically between now and March 11th, WWE and AEW and TNA need to figure out what the fuck they're going to invest in. Are they going to dramatically restructure how they look at human resources or are they going to hope and pray that Congress interferes? Now, rest assured, Congress is already working on this. There is already a significant movement in the House and the Senate to try and fight against this, to try and, 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 and pass a law uh, to prohibit these new standards from taking effect. Uh, but that's far from a done deal in a very, very, very split United States Congress. So it's very likely that come March... Come WrestleMania season, Seth Rollins isn't going to be Seth Rollins, the independent contractor. Roman Reigns isn't going to be Roman Reigns, the independent contractor. They're going to have to be employees of WWE with health insurance, with retirement options with other benefits that come with any other employee. If you work at fucking McDonald's, you are required to have these things, but you can put literally put your life and body on the line in a ring and you're not guaranteed these things. So I'm super fucking excited about this standard. I am, so fucking happy that this is gonna to come to fruition uh because I think it's incredibly long overdue. I mean, Jesus, in the 80s, Jesse Ventura was trying to start a wrestlers union for exactly this idea, for exactly these kinds of things. And here we are in 2024, and it looks like we're we're finally gonna see it happen. So that was a lot. I, I realized that was a lot, but the 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 quick and the dirty is wrestlers are no longer independent contractors they have to be treated as employees thank fucking jesus yeah wow holy cow i had
1: no idea it was that monumental i mean this could change i'm like just on you know when when any wrestling show does a pay-per-view not a pay-per-view necessarily but like a show on a holiday guess what gotta pay them holiday overtime holiday pay (laughs) like that's fantastic like i the biggest is health insurance i mean again you know, this, the, like what you said, I mean, these, you know, they need specialized training, et cetera, to do these things to make sure that they don't get hurt. But when they do get hurt, it's often pretty bad. And like, mm-hmm. again, you know, ACL tears and whatnot. And to be able to like, I would assume some of those benefits would be, um, oh my God. Um, I don't know how workman's comp, that's where I'm kind of going with it. But like, I mean, you, if you get hurt on the job and you can't perform, there's gotta be some type of, compensation, et cetera, oh, you know, like, nice. Holy smokes, this could be huge. Sorry, Tom, what, what uh you were going to say something.
2: No, I was, uh I, I pretty much what you said. I think that's, that's massive. I mean, I I know we're going to talk about the iron claw later, but like, can you imagine if Jesse Ventura got that off the ground in the eighties? Like we could have potentially kept the Von Erics around a little longer. And, and, you know, it's like the access to mental health, which I think, wrestlers obviously to this day desperately need still. I I mean, there's, um, you know, look at our boy, Tony Khan, uh, the dude's going nuts (laughs) on Twitter. Like there's some mental health maybe concerns there. Um, but like, I, I think it's huge. I think it's absolutely wonderful. I, I, I really hope now, Jim, does that include like paid time off and like actual like
0: breaks Well, those are things that aren't federally regulated, right? Mm -hmm. So now if you're, if you're, um, and and of course there's, there's different requirements or different regulations in effect for salaried versus hourly employees, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, there are, there are certain regulations in place. Like if you work an eight hour shift, you have to have a minimum 30 minute lunch break. Uh, you have to have, you know, you know, and there are other things like that, but it doesn't cover things like PTO uh, because PTO is kind of a corporate company by company based thing. There aren't any federal regulations on PTO. Um, So it's going to have a massive effect and truth be told, there's going to be quite a bit of fighting in the courts over this for a while. I see, I I, I predict, I think there's going to be quite a bit of attempted enforcement lawsuit, attempted enforcement lawsuit. So it's not like overnight, Everything's going to be different.
2: Yeah. But this is
0: going to be the beginning of a huge, a glacial shift in in how professional wrestlers have to be treated. Well, and and just recently, didn't, didn't, uh, just recently, didn't
2: uh, like WWE folks get at least like two or three weeks off? And I think they taped the last like couple SmackDowns or something. I wonder if that was because like Triple H kind of saw the writing on the wall and was like, I mean, let's face facts is as, as a multi million, you know, dollar company is or billion dollar companies. WWE is I'm sure they're like, well, we don't really want to pay overtime and all this. So, Hey, guess what? You get your Christmases back. and <laughs> like, cause they, I'm pretty sure they got Christmas back. I, last time I, I heard, and I'm wondering if that's just him kind of getting ready to play ball or, or, or what, but like, cause I know triple H, I feel like triple H is obviously, I mean, Hopefully we'll do the right thing and, and go by this. Whereas like, if this was Vince McMahon era, we'd be like, oh, well he's going to fight it tooth and nail.
0: Well, remember, you know, the last presidential administration, one of the first hires that that president made was the head of the small business division. And that was a woman by the name of Linda McMahon. Linda
1: Linda McMahon.
0: (laughs) So you know, the, the, there's a reason Linda McMahon ran for Senate twice and failed. Uh, you know, I, I think the McMahon's failed realized misery. failed horribly. I think <laughs> yeah. the McMahon's realized they need to be, they need to lobby, they need mm-hmm. to have a voice in Washington because there these these kinds of things. I mean, look, there's there's issues with with employee safety here. There's issues of of workers' rights. Uh, there's there's issues of of entertainment and censorship. It's kind of like I was, you know. When in the 1960s, the Motion Picture Association of America hired Jack Valenti to be their president because Jack Valenti came from D.C. And he knew if the motion picture industry didn't shape up internally, that the government was going to step in and force them to shape up. I think the WWE has kind of seen the same kind of a thing of like we need to get involved here because there could be changes coming down the pipe that we won't have a say in and will directly and significantly affect us. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 again, I don't think, you know, triple H is the head of creative, but he's not the head of WWE. I think Nick Khan right. would fight this tooth and nail. I think Endeavor would fight this tooth and nail. Uh, you know, the, oh, wow. the irony is, is that, you know, as the, as this rule change was being discussed, it was primarily about rideshare. share. Right. It's primarily about Uber drivers and Lyft drivers and DoorDash drivers and things like that and how they serve as independent contractors, which means they have no rights, you know, in in a lot of different ways. But for our purposes, nobody was talking about professional wrestlers as a part of this. But by God, you look at that list, it absolutely, absolutely applies to professional wrestlers. No,
1: and I mean I could see. I mean, even just with you know, you Jim bringing up Endeavor, and I could see Dana White fighting this because that's that. Oh, for, it's almost the same kind of thing where its mm-hmm. fighter pay is absolutely atrocious, and the billions that that company brings in and what they pay those guys is absurd and whatnot. Um, you know, it'll be no, man. Wow, this is I just my head is like kind of spinning with just all the things mm-hmm. that I mean, like. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, it's like, I remember when I worked security and there was a, there was a period in time where I was working like, like 80, 90 hours a week. And I mean, obviously that's absurd and against the law. And I remember my company was doing things to be like, oh, if if you take enough time off here, or if you get a bit of a break, it'll circumnavigate this. And like, I don't know how that's going to work with the WWE, because I don't know if it's like, do you have to actively be working? But I mean, if you're promoting and doing this, you're essentially working for the company oh, you yeah you know what i mean and like like some of those tv days i've heard are, are like atrocious where it's like minimum like 12 hours a day like you know you're there sun up sundown kind of thing it's it's i mean this could this is huge
0: well and and, and again in in other industries like in the film industry uh, if you're part of a, a a trade union in the film industry like let's say you're you're part of the the um the 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 grip union, right? You're, you're part of, you're a grip on a film set. If you get booked for a day, you're booked for 24 hours, right? You're, you're booked for 12 to 12. And if some days you end up working two hours on some days you end up working 18 hours and that's just life, but those are actual independent contractors, right? You don't work on a film for 17 years. You work on a film for (laughs) 17 months, right? Those are actual independent contractors. So, you know, a professional wrestler i t- t- I'll, I'll be perfectly frank i'll I'll kind of I'll I'll tip my hand here i'll I'll you know let you guys know what's really going on i think bold prediction i think by the end of this decade there will be professional wrestlers in the trade unions in the film and television trade unions i think this is the first step towards that uh yeah. i think this is now going to create an environment where once in, i've seen it a hundred times in terms of labor relations and labor rights laborer rights when, when once you get that taste of oh wait there are protections for me yeah oh wait i i'm not just fucking red meat for the for the dinosaurs out here i could actually have a voice and have a say and have my rights protected that snowball's so I, you know, it is my absolute dream that the professional wrestling industry unionizes by the end of this decade, and I think they will. No,
1: that's a it's a huge do step we, for sure.
0: Do we do we have time? Because
2: I why what is the what is the biggest? Why is there not a union? Why is there? What's this gr- big fear about unionizing and getting health care and all of that? Just in the professional wrestling world, like what is? Why was McMahon so against it?
0: Well, McMahon's against it because it would mean he'd have to play fair. Um, If, if you're dealing, if you're negotiating with a, okay. One of the, one of the, as a former local president of a teacher's union, (laughs) I can give you some of the rah-rahs here, right? You know, one of the things we say all the time in, in union organizing and union activity is united, we bargain divided, we beg. And when you're, when you're in a union, you can't, you know, you can't say, all right, uh Roman Reigns you only have to work 3 dates a year and you're going to get $38 million because I like you but this guy over here uh, you know but you know Perry Saturn you have to work 360 days a year and you're getting $12 an hour cuz fuck you right it, it's you the contract applies to everyone in the employee class Uh, There's also grievance procedures that are put in place so that employees can defend themselves against management decisions. They can stand up for themselves. You have special rights as a union member you don't have as a non-union member. Again, there's the collective force behind it. So McMahon didn't want it because it meant he would have to be above board. And, you know, you hear these stories from the 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 80s and 90s and even the fucking 2000s about McMahon just being shady as fuck in his business dealings with a lot of these individuals promising one thing and delivering nothing. You know, yeah. you can't do that when you're dealing with a unionized, unionized workforce. Why the wrestlers don't unionize is the same reason why a lot of people don't unionize. Uh, fear and ignorance, uh, to be perfectly blunt. They're afraid of retribution which is where the ignorance comes in. It is a federal crime to punish someone for attempting to organize. It is your your God-given right, according to the United States government, to organize your workplace. And if they try to punish you for doing it, they have violated federal law, right? So you... Workers are afraid to organize because they're afraid of retribution because they don't understand what unionization really is about. There's been this great gener- – I'm so going off on a fucking tangent right now. There's well, been this great –
2: It's good. <laughs>
0: There's been this great generational shift with, with, with this new generation of understanding the plight of the worker and workers' rights. And, and there's more support for unions amongst the younger generation than there has been in decades and decades and decades. But the guys who are in the workforce right now, the professional wrestlers in the locker room right now, are from the generation where, where the unions were to blame. Right, they grew up. Sure. They grew up with the post Reagan unions are the problem, not the solution. And if, in case I haven't said it enough in my lifetime, I need to say it a few more times. Fuck Ronald Reagan, right up his dead ass. Yeah. I, would, if there's one <laughs> historical figure I could fucking fist fight, it would be Ronald Reagan. Ugh. And give him to me at his prime too, man. Don't give me senile Ronnie. Give me young Ronnie. I'll fuck that bitch up. I don't care. But the, the generation that's in the locker room right now was raised in the culture of unions are the reason jobs went away and they fell for the propaganda of the Reagan administration. Oh. And so there's this anti-union kind of bias built in. That's why I think by twenty thirty, you're gonna see that shift because the younger generation is moving in, the older generation is moving out. There's gonna be a shift in what how people view unions and the importance of unions and the importance of protecting workers' rights. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I, I, no, <laughs> You yeah. make,
1: I mean, it's just, my brain is just kind of like it, like, oh my gosh, like a lot of things are kind of starting to make sense. I mean, it's, you know, look at why did Hogan shoot down the whole union thing? Cause he's, they're taking my spot, you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. And it's like, and then again, it's like with the younger workforce, Jim put it, I, I think Jim, you put it beautifully. Why is Roman Reigns only working two hours a day and he's making $38 uh. million in Perry Saturn is working his fucking ass off and he's getting ten dollars an hour it leads to the whole quiet quitting thing and i mean essentially Mm -hmm. it's like and that's what the younger generation is doing is going wait a minute like why is this fat cat getting rich sitting on his ass when i'm the one doing all the work and i'm getting treated like crap you know and it's like i'm working 60 hour work weeks i don't i have to work over christmas when the ceo is not doing anything etc you know what i mean and it's just it's holy smokes i mean this is this could be a monumental thing but that's why i think tom to go back to your question why unions were again jim i 100 agree with you ignorance and just fear you know because i think like jesse ventura went wait a minute we're all doing the same fucking thing as hogan in fact we're helping him make more money and we're getting paid dick you know like why is he yeah. the only one that gets to main event wrestlemania when we're I, I'm an announcer and I'm delegated to this. And I don't even get health insurance. I don't even get this. I don't even get that, etc. But yet, holy shit, we're all at the red carpet because Hulk Hogan, you know, brings in all the eyes, et cetera, and whatnot. So I mean, Jim, you, you really put it beautifully. And I mean, I right there with you, man. Like it's this, this is start of something huge.
2: What you guys just said was that the the younger working force just doesn't like to work. Is what you're getting at, right?
0: Yeah it, they 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 drink they drink too many uh, yeah. Starbucks drinks and eat yeah. too much avocado toast. Oh, okay, I got it. Yeah, and, just stop drinking they Starbucks nobody, wants to,
2: nobody <laughs> wants to work anymore. I wonder. Fucking I wonder murder. if that's if that's the also the old <laughs> if it's, what if if like you know Cornet and Dutch Mantel and Vince and all the old school guys. I'm I'm wondering if the like they obviously. It's money. It's obviously money. They don't want to like pay what they're doing. And then they're, they're going to use 100%. that like back like the old school mentality of like, well, nobody wants to work their way to the top anymore. And nobody wants to do this. And I can like now that you explained all that, that just like it, it it's so as Mike, Mike says, my brain is spinning because it's like, holy shit. Those guys were just this whole facade of like being the best and putting yourself over and all this stuff is is essentially like
0: bullshit. It's the myth. It's the myth of, of the, the, the boomers, right? Yeah, the, like, well, if I just work hard enough, I could pull myself up by my bootstraps. Well, no motherfucker. Like you don't realize just how you, like, you can't pull yourself up by bootstraps if you don't have fucking boots yeah right? you couldn't pull yeah. yourself up by your bootstraps to begin with you know but you really can't do it if you don't have any fucking boots on your feet but that is and, and it is it, it's a generational thing look at who's in charge of professional wrestling i think that's one of the reasons i was so excited about aew right it's young it's a yeah. different generation and god does tony Khan have a totally different mindset as to how that business should operate as opposed to the people who are brought up in that post-reagan revolution kind of mentality uh i i yeah it is it's 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 the old guard refusing to go away and insisting that the younger generation you know just doesn't get it
2: yeah i always, i always tell sorry mike i always tell everybody it always comes back to wrestling everything <laughs> always comes back to wrestling you know what i mean well
1: we're I, we might this might come up in our, um, you know, in, in lieu of our spotlight. But they highlighted it in the Iron Claw when Carrie Von Eric was like, wait a minute. Why are why am I not getting paid? And I'm bringing in all these butts. And Fritz flat out told him essentially where it was like we needed to grow the product. So I paid you less to bring in more, et cetera. And I mean, that was and they kind of glossed over that. But that is a that is absolute proof. Of why wrestlers should unionize, et cetera, where it was like, look at how hard he worked for his dad and got essentially nothing, you know, and it, it, he caught it by looking at, I don't know how true that is. We'll save that for when we get into the Von Erich movie, but yeah. that, that's a classic example right there, Tom, of the old guard of being, you Jesus know, Christ. oh, you know, well, if we bring in Rick, you know, if you... Do just your part to bring in Ric Flair, that'll give us more money, and therefore I can use that money to bring in bigger stars the Andre the Giants, the um, God, who That's are some crazy. of the other acts that came in through you know, Harley Race, etc., and whatnot. So Fritz was guilty of it too, man. It, yeah, huge, huge. Well, wow! I feel like we could talk about this. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I, great yeah, I, I mean, mean Jim, you
0: brought talking.
1: <laughs> you brought up. I mean, it is. It's, and who knows? I'm. I'm sure. You know, more to come. Um, you know, come March. Um, I think this is a really interesting topic for sure. Um, also interesting. Um, we have a uh, a new president. Um, no, not yet. Not that president. Um, I am of course speaking of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, Mister uh tanahashi is now the acting president of new japan pro wrestling um ace. this the ace. I, I think the ace yes the however he does uh, is yeah, weird like uh, it's like ace. number it's like a number one but it's not like it's weird but
2: those he, um, who can't see us what we're doing we're obviously mimicking the hand symbol of the ace of tanahashi
1: ace He's he's the ace of professional wrestling. He's not the ace of himself, you weirdo.
2: I never said he was the what did I? You said you did. You went uh, he's the oh, ace okay. of Tanahashi. Yeah, Jim's laughing in the background. So, clearly I screwed something up. Damn it. He,
1: he's the ace of himself. No, Tom, um and I I you know, you are probably, you know, uh, amongst our uh listeners, you're a big new Japan guy and also our new TNA guy. Uh Shut why up. <laughs> why why is this so big um you know speaking of i mean there's been a lot of changes in wrestling obviously vince mcmahon is out um i'm not even going to try and pronounce the name or or if i could even remember who was the former president of new japan pro wrestling but why is this big that tanahashi has kind of stepped at this role and he's now you know the acting president of new japan pro wrestling
2: well let's wind the clock a little bit uh it's no secret uh New Japan as of late has not been uh good. <laughs> um, and, I mean it it's it's good in the sense that it, it it's it will always have amazing matches. However the product itself has been a little lackluster since Jim I think uh, I'll lean on you for this probably since like AJ Styles Bullet Club era.
0: It, it well I mean, it, it, I would say when I would say when Kenny left, um, yeah. they didn't have anybody to hit because Kenny picked it up yeah. after AJ and and Bullet. I would argue that Bullet Club under Kenny had one of its strongest runs. But when Kenny left, yeah, mm.
2: <laughs> when Kenny Omega left, I, there there was a lot of like just uncertainty. I mean, I, you know, AEW was created, and I, I think Omega and New Japan had kind of a rocky relationship after he left for a little bit until he, he recently. I think Tony Khan kind of helped smooth that out a little bit. Um, I think it's huge for one. I mean, it, I'm interested to see where it goes because it's Tanahashi. And I think Tanahashi is one of the greatest professional wrestlers ever. Um, and that's all. also has me nervous a little bit about that too, is, is again, uh, it goes back to like great players don't always make great coaches. And I look at Tanahashi and I think he's got a great mind for the business. But, you know, since we are talking old school ways, I do think he was kind of bred in that old school dojo mentality where I don't know if we're going to see a lot of changes to it. And I think it is huge because this is, I think the reason why you're alluding to it, that it is huge is that I don't, it, it kind of reminds me of the old territory days where like the old school wrestler now becomes the promoter. And I think that's very, very interesting in New Japan's sense. And I hope that Tanahashi and New Japan as an organization have enough people around him to support him and to make sure he thrives. However, this just also feels very Hogan WCW like tail end. And I don't think by no means am I comparing new Japan to like old, the the olden days of, of like the last couple of years of WCW, but it just does have me a little worried that things could potentially go really well which I, I hope they do, or they can start getting like really murky, which it was like kind of when Tanahashi first kind of began in new Japan was like, right. Jim was like uh Tanahashi and Naido, uh, Naito uh, Shinsuke Nakamura uh, Okada. Those guys were kind of like the saving grace of new Japan. So I think it is, you're absolutely right. Mike, it is huge news because it, 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 gives me that like territory old, old feel, uh, old feels. Old school feel, but also at the same time, it could get really, really dicey. And I think if we're being honest, like, I, I don't know what in the hell is going on over there. there there's a lot of like surprises. Uh, Nick, Nick, uh, what was his name-eth? Uh He showed Dolph Ziggler. Nimeth, what name it? <laughs> Nemeth, Nimeth. That really? It sounds yeah, like I'm, pronounced Nemeth. I'm with a, speaking with a lisp. Nick yeah. <laughs> uh, he's my nemesis i apologize to our our stuttering or, or you know what just edit that up. uh <laughs> that was leave our it fan base. yeah please don't leave it in but um no he shows up david finley i do not understand i don't i the more and more i watch him i just get more and more disappointed um i don't think the guy can cut a promo to save his life Um, I am, I'm not very overly impressed with him in the ring. So they're, they're putting a lot of, I feel like if Tanahashi is in charge of of that, like he's putting a lot of stock into David Finley and I don't understand why. Um, I feel like I'm rambling at this point. So gentlemen, feel free to jump in, but, um, I don't (laughs) think new Japan is going to be in trouble. I just don't think it's very good right now.
1: And, and this is where you guys have to maybe correct me if I'm wrong. But the, the, one of the reasons I brought it up that was so big is I thought Tanahashi was one of the bigger pushes is in getting into the U.S. market. Um, and why that's a big thing with him getting on is that like they're starting to show up more in the United States. And I know that that was a big initiative a couple of years ago, but it went really quiet. Um, I I don't know if that um, is, you know, Jim, this is it was right before we started recording where, Tom, we went and saw the Windy City Riot, which. Yeah um you know in i think it was it's been two years maybe yeah i'd say i think about close to two years since they came they were in like a 4-h barn and now they're playing the wind trust arena so i don't know if it was just maybe venue availability or if this is you know again new management coming in saying no if we're going to do this in the united states we have to do it right and stop doing more of the independent spirit and actually like we're fucking new japan we don't need to be in a 4-h barn in cicero we need to be in the city of Chicago. And I mean, getting, you know, again, the United center, the now arena, et cetera, those are, you know, all state arena. Those are, that's pretty hard, especially with a product where everyone's like, Oh, new Japan, isn't that where Shinsuke came from or, or wait, they're good. Right. You know, they still have that kind of buzz to them. Unlike, you know, obviously, you know, us professional wrestling fans are like, no, new Japan's fucking great. They just haven't had the platform. But I think that whole U S run that they did a couple of years ago, where, you know, I think it was Jay White was doing his U.S. challenge, or yeah, he was doing the 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 New Japan United States challenge, etc. Was kind of a trial run, and I the it seems like Jay. oh so good, oh my God, we Great. saw him. Who did he fight when we saw him, Tom? Oh God, it was. Shudo. Oh yeah, that was right, Shudo Umana. Oh my God, oh what a that's right because Mox, yeah, that's right, Mox and Osprey, uh, and he was like, get out there, shooter. Um, so good. Um, no, but and then they do they're it seems like they're starting to do the New Japan Battle in the Valley, um, which is where uh you know Jack Perry showed up. Um who else showed up? Someone else showed oh, was
0: that oh, <laughs> Matt
1: Riddle. Uh, I know, yeah. but like it's <laughs> Boy, God, I feel like I'm just dooming us by, yeah. <laughs> by bringing well, so those two you, dipshits up. A here, man. <laughs> I know, right? But I'm just saying, it's just, I. Th- no, I thought Tanahashi was kind of, it, it seems like he's, I thought he was kind of the big push to get him into the United States market. And that was, mm-hmm. it, you know, I, maybe not Tanahashi, but some of the younger guard going, if we want to do this, we need to break into the United, you know, the the, the North American market. So, Jim, really want to hear your thoughts on this too.
0: You sure? Yeah. I I mean, right, you turn yeah, first of all
2: new japan needs to unionize is that no, Jim? <laughs> yeah. no, Jim, no.
0: no. first first and foremost workers rights for new japan <laughs> I,
1: uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: well it's, you're gonna think i'm fucking with you but seriously one of the things that i think uh is is actually a really positive uh kind of inclination or positive uh note moving forward for new japan and and the biggest reason why tom when when you made the comparison about hulk hogan and wcw to tanahashi and new japan the biggest reason my eyebrows went up uh, is because hulk hogan may not have graduated high school um hiroshi tanahashi has a law degree right so along with being a brilliant wrestling mind he's also a brilliant man and it's not not like he's just you know so that's the thing is tanahashi is is number one a phenomenal wrestling mind but he's also just very bright and i think that's going to be a huge difference between you know you know like jerry jarrett was a good wrestling mind I wouldn't fucking bet on him in a round of Jeopardy, you know, but (laughs) Tanahashi, yeah, I'd I'd give it a go, you know, so I I think Tanahashi, I don't, I wouldn't say he was, I wouldn't give him a lot of credit for the Americanization of New Japan, uh, Mm -hmm. but I will say that he, as a wrestler, helped bring the Japanese style to an American audience, In a more palatable way. Um, Because he modeled so much of his career after Shawn Michaels, you know, he he just kind of put the Japanese flavor on the American style. And so when it comes back over across the ocean and Americans see it, they go, oh, this is just kind of a new spin on something we're familiar with. We're not reinventing the wheel here. So I I think Tanahashi coming in as president is going to be a I think it's gonna be a fantastic thing for New Japan because he is he's a very bright man. Um he's he's an exceptional uh uh talent. Uh and the you know he's gonna be good because one of the first things he did as president was make himself the TV champion. Uh that's fucking brilliant. You gotta love that. That like Tanahashi <laughs> is named the president, and a week later he's beating uh Zack Saber Jr. for the TV title. That's that's come on. That's just that's old school, baby. That's no, old fucking it. school. I got the book. Yeah, I also got the belt, motherfucker. What about it? So I, I'm looking forward to Tanahashi. I think I think he's going to expand the New Japan strong market, which is you know strong as the Americanized kind of version of New Japan. Uh, I think he's going to expand that. I think he understands the need there, and I think he understands the need to partner more with with the AEW vision and the TNA vision as well. Mm-hmm. You know, remember. The new president of New Japan just wrestled Maxwell Jacob Friedman, but a few months ago, there's already a relationship here. And I I think Tanahashi sees the value in growing New Japan through partnerships rather than growing New Japan through uh, further isolationism as they've done in the past.
2: I I couldn't agree more with that, Jim. Uh, Honestly, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I think the way to, you know, promote your product is you're going to have to partner up with American wrestling. And I think one of the biggest, I don't even know if it's a problem as it's just, you hear it all the time. You hear about American wrestlers going over to Japan to wrestle and they're like, this is, this is nothing that we ever thought like what wrestling was, you know, because over here in the United States, it's a, it's a carnival. It's a, you know, the the old carny business and a spectacle and sports entertainment. And like, it's legitimately a like serious art form over in Japan. And I think that, that for some reason, when it comes to the United States, it just gets, uh, you know, it just gets murky and it just gets lost and it's, it's of course, diehard professional wrestling fans are going to love the new Japan product, but that's, you know, we're such a small market that, you know, Tanahashi is going to obviously want to approach a broaden, you know, uh, a more general uh, audience. And I, you guys are probably going to laugh or frown or kill me. Uh, but like, I think this is the closest bit of an extreme (laughs) WWE and new Japan partnering to do like a forbidden door, because I I mean, I, I would love, honestly, I would love to see it happen. I, the styles are just so (laughs) drastically different.
0: (laughs) No, yeah, I mean, I just, I it, it, it would be it would be great,
2: Tom. To it, if you want to promote your product to an American audience. You're gonna have to go after the big dog, which is WWE, and Triple H is the only one I think would be willing to to play ball with Tanahashi.
0: Tanahashi has Tanahashi has has credibility. He has integrity. He wouldn't sell out New Japan's history for a five minute fucking blowjob from Triple H. I mean, you know, it's not. Uh, <laughs> I mean, have you seen Triple H? Come on, have yeah, uh, seen Triple H? Right?
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I I don't know. I just think that it, why not? Because I mean, I, as as of course, I want AEW and New Japan because we get dream match after dream match, but if you want to expand your product, you're going to have to, I I, I'm sorry. I feel like you're gonna have to go after WWE and partner with them at least to get Shinsuke Nakamura over there to do a match, you know, like, come on.
0: (laughs) They did it with that to happen. It's well, it's the, they did it with Noah, Mike. I know but I mean. Look at.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it was like, who noticed it seriously at like, really who noticed it? they i it's just it's not a good fit, and that's why I think if he's gonna do it, he needs to focus with a e w because their styles match up I, I seriously, how many people i bet you if you went to the average w w e fan and went tell me about Kaiji muda, they'd be like who it, you know what I mean except for maybe <laughs> some of the individuals it's just it's they would have to do such a they i mean for them to get i think a partnership or some sort of sponsorship with w w e it would take at least up to a year, if not two of small, they'd have to be doing sending guys to know, you know, et cetera. They'd have to start infiltrating these guys into the Japanese market. And there's no fucking way Roman Reigns would like survive over there. Look at how long it took him to cut a fucking promo. Like, do you really think he's going to go over there and blow the mines off the Japanese? Absolutely not. You know, Seth Rollins, maybe yes. AJ Styles, definitely McIntyre. Maybe. I mean, There's just they don't have enough talent that that I think. In all fairness,
2: carry it. When was the last time your mind was blown with any promo in New Japan in the last like couple of
1: weeks? Well, there haven't been a lot. I've Uh never known New Japan. Well, no, I've never. And Jim maybe can back me up on this. New Japan's not really known for their fucking promos. I haven't been like, guys, did you see that fucking Tanahashi promo? It's usually like, holy shit, did you see that sixty minute match that Tanahashi did with Naito with AJ Styles? You know what I mean? Right. No, I I don't think that the WWE can hang with them. TNA. Speaking of showing up, um, Mister. Dolph Ziggler, Mr. Nick Nemeth, uh, shows up in TNA. Um, and, uh, I at first was really, I think Tom, you kind of started changing my thinking about it where I was at first like, why the fuck did he pick TNA? Um, you know, but it seems like TNA or impact to TNA. They're really going hard on this, this rebrand. Um, they just released all new titles um, I don't know if that was a, a kind of a sign that they were going to go through a massive title change at Hard to Kill because um, they did. And I think almost all I think all but the tag titles, I think, got. Changed, correct, right? Are, are you talking
2: about like the design or changed hands, changed hands, changed hands. Oh. So I
1: think ABC, the uh, Chris Bay the and ABC ASOS. Retained. And,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, they retain, but I think. Jordan Grace won the women's title. Tommy Dreamer, yeah. thank God, lost the digital impact title or whatever that thing's called. <laughs> yeah. To crazy
2: uh, Steve.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, whatever. As long as yeah. it's not Tommy Dreamer, I don't care. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and then obviously the world heavyweight champ Moose, you know, rightfully so. Um, happy for Alex Shelley that he got a bit of a run with it. Seemed like kind of it was a, you know, a... He's been here a while. We should give him a good run with it for a minute and then, you know, <laughs> on to bigger and better. But um, no, Moose won it and whatnot. But then, you know, again, I keep wanting to call him Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, a.k.a. also known as sorry, Nick Nemeth, a.k.a. Dolph Ziggler shows up. Um, And I I for sure thought he was really going to sign with New Japan. It seemed like that was going to be kind of the the, you know, the way of the 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 way of the movement And it, for all intents and purposes, it sounds like he's going with TNA. Um, And at first I was like, that doesn't make any sense. He's better than that. But man, I, you know, Tom, I think you, you had kind of mentioned it in a, in a, in a text thread that we all have together is that it's a perfect fit for a company kind of, you know, wanting to rebrand with a guy who rightfully so needs to have a company built around him. Um, And I, it's really kind of changed my thinking on it. So yeah. What do you guys think about, you know, you know, the, the artist formerly known as Dolph showing up in, uh, in TNA, you know, good move, um, you know, bad move. Um, you know, it, obviously I think, um, cause, uh, TNA also, uh, I think at hard to kill, uh, said that they've partnered with AAA, uh, which is, I think pretty huge. Um, whoa, and whoa, it whoa. sounds like they may, um, yeah, they, they, it was a real quick announcement. And I was like, wait, what, wait, whoa, wait a minute. Um, that's actually kind of big. Um, and then obviously with, with, it sounds like he's, um, Nick Nemeth is going to be, you know, with new Japan. So I would only assume TNA is starting to, you know, tread back into the new Japan, uh, connection, um, as they, they used to have, and then almost fucking obliterated it with how they handled arguably who is like one of the greatest wrestlers in the world right now. Uh, Okada. Uh, I don't know if you uh, ever remember some of those Okada matches from back in the day at TNA. Oh my God, they were like Yikes. a nice difference between. Like, I was like, oh my God, like I. It's almost like you forget that he was there. I think you actually want to forget that he was there because it was so bad. But anyway, getting away from my point, um, it it kind of sounds like TNA is you know, I don't know on the rise, uh, Tommy TNA, uh, what are your thoughts? <laughs> just, just, just play it and get it over with Jim. TNA.
2: But anyways, I guess being the new, uh, TNA guy, um, I think it's, 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 uh, it's definitely crucial for them to be in real re- rebuild mode. And I think it's, it's, you know, there, there was talks of, uh, CM Punk potentially, you know, going to TNA when he, before the WWE stuff happened and, um, I think if TNA wants to be, you know, uh, back in the game and actually be kind of a, a threat with AEW and, and WWE, you're going to have to bring in people that, you know, uh, are going to be, you're going to be excited about, uh, showing up. So I, th- I think absolutely it, it was, it was a great idea for them to get, um, uh, a, what was it? Formerly Dolph, the artist known more formerly known as Dolph. Um, I, I don't understand the whole Jordan Grace thing. I, I thought, keeping the belt on Trinity would have been a better idea Um, just to keep the hype behind the whole like bloodline stuff. Um, But I mean, I love Jordan Grace. I'm not, I'm not disappointed with that at all. I'm just kind of as in a booking sense, I'm just kind of curious how that played out. Um, I, I think Moose is is super underrated as, as, as the the top, as the top guy. Um, So no, I mean, I'm actually, and I can't believe I'm, I'm, going to say this but tommy tna is kind of excited for oh no absolutely not i thought that went <laughs> out before i said it uh i'm <laughs> excited that the nwa tna is back uh the the old like they're actually like taken serious because man there is i mean jim being the former tna guy i mean there was a couple of matches every once in a while that would show up that were really good But I think it has the potential to be to be quite a quite a threat, and I'm excited
0: to see where it's going to go. I think I love the rebrand. I love bringing in Nick Nemeth. The only thing I don't like is the name. I think TNA is a dumb fucking name. It's juvenile as shit. It's incredibly. It's embarrassing. Right, it's embarrassing yeah. to be like, yeah, man. You see TNA? Like, it just starts bleeding time? over. His beard is stupid. Uh, <laughs> did did, did, did uh, You know, 2012. Do need
2: their haircut back? <laughs> I Personally, hate when TNA wear skinny jeans stuff. It's like, Jim, are you per- like progressing on me <laughs> We're projecting your <it> hatred? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just, I just think it's so dumb. Like, it was a it cute, is, little cheek joke for the first like three weeks of its existence, but now, like, you know better. Like, you fucking yeah. know better. TNA, come on, man! Like, it, first of all, it's it was a rip-off of the fucking gimmick in WWF, right? Remember, Trish Stratus had <laughs> Test yeah. and, and Albert, T-N-A. T-N-A. <laughs> yeah. and now yeah. you are yeah. so. It, it was a even in the Attitude Era. It was a fucking lame joke that went over for five minutes. Now you're gonna rebrand your whole company, TNA. Like I love their titles. I love the direction they're going in. I just wish they had a better fucking name.
2: Yeah, I for one love total nonstop action. So <laughs> 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 Who
1: yes, doesn't. Do. No, it'll be interesting to see where they go. Um, you know, with this and it's. I mean it it too late now to re rebrand at this point so um I mean I'm going to laugh my ass off if they do end up rebranding and being like now we're going back to impact like, just
0: kidding
1: <laughs> jesus Christ. make up your fucking mind man but um whatever anything that just it it you know keeps pushing NWA further down the ladder so that we don't have to talk about it i'm excited <laughs> um so i'm happy you know and i it, it is i think it's going to be it's going to be interesting bringing in you know that big of a name um you know to really you, to kind of help drive your your rebrand um and j- i think jim I, just like you you know eager to see where it's going to go but just why the fucking name like why yeah. it's so stupid i grow up you know and mm-hmm. it just, it, it, it's just it's especially with everything in the wrestling business of be better, like really, this is what you're going with, you know, especially after the clearing house of the me too movement, et cetera. You're really going to go with fucking TNA, like grow up, you know? And mm-hmm. it's just, and it's, what's even worse too. I've been seeing like, you know, Sting and, and some of these old timers are like, Oh yeah, I'm glad TNA's bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, TNA I'm TNA was, I'm like, Oh my God, you're not helping. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're still part of the problem. Like, Stop I it. think we can all agree Sting had his best work as
2: Joker Sting and TNA, well, right? <laughs> <under us? laughs> Guys, who are we kidding here? All right?
1: <laughs> there was a there was a spot at TNA where I just, I mean, I was like, "What is going on over there? Like, <laughs> what is happening?" <laughs> well, didn't wasn't Billy Corgan involved with TNA for a hot minute? Oh, yeah, yeah I was he, just I he was yeah. for. He was. Wait,
2: what? Yeah, Yeah, he was. him
1: and Dixie Carter, like, uh, that's why I think why he left because him and Dixie Carter fucking couldn't get along. (laughs) Yep. Dixie Carter's like this asshole.
2: (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Do you guys remember, I remember uh, when I first heard about uh, well, it was what the originally, original original was NWA TNA, right? Or just uh, NWA something, right?
0: No, No, it it was NWA NWA TNA. TNA. Was it? Oh,
2: okay. So like, yeah, the five dollar a, a week pay per views or whatever it was? This was like the heyday of try. It wasn't. It was like before YouTube. You guys were like showing me video packages of of like oh amazing red AJ Styles, and that's how I first heard about him. And it was from you guys. Like I was like, boy, man, those days are long gone.
0: Very long gone. <laughs>
2: They're, oh, they yeah. are dead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I. Well, I was I I saw something that they were they're kind of comparing this rebrand with Nick Nemeth potentially with um to kind of when Kurt Angle came in and tried to really help him give him some legitimacy. And that wasn't a bad run. Kurt TNA was was not bad. He was fucking high on perk assets most yeah, of the time. I was gonna
0: say perk perk angle.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was just like made of pure iron. And then when he when he stopped taking when he like stopped taking the payment, you're like, oh well, somebody <laughs> had a drug problem. <laughs>
1: Yeah this a is catching red. up to you now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, but that was it it did. It helped bring some legitimacy. And I mean some of the stuff with Samoa Joe and him was really good. So I'm I'm hoping mm-hmm. they can kind of turn that magic around. It's just it's that fucking name. It's just the yeah, name. It is like a stupid fucking name. Stupid fucking name. matches of the week. Um I believe we're actually almost all caught up to where we can actually have a match of the week and it's not match from 3 weeks ago or <laughs> from a month ago. So, uh Jim, I will uh, will pass it to you for the first uh and inna- not not inaugural. I don't know why I want to keep saying inaugural. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the the first Great inaugural word. match of the week of 2024.
0: There. Sure I Got you know. it. I was getting there. Sure <laughs> <laughs> my annual inaugural uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, and i say this and I'm, I'm gonna say ahead of time um i i don't want to i don't want to challenge tom's new position uh i recognize that tom is obviously the bigger tna fan 100 agree <laughs> Never dare to challenge that that uh, assertion. I want to make it clear. I'm not coming for you, Tom. Right. I'm not coming for you when I say this. But uh, my match of the week was actually briefly mentioned already, and that was Jordan Grace versus Trinity. Uh, I thought really? it was a fantastic match. Uh, I thought it was wonderful because number one, as we've talked about several times before, we're all huge Jordan Grace fans. I think she's it's one amazing. of the most underrated talents in all of professional wrestling, let alone women's professional wrestling. Uh, there was a spot in particular in the match where uh, you can actually see this. The, the highlight is going around on, on Twitter right now and on other social media. But uh, at one point, Trinity had Jordan Grace in an octopus hold and jordan grace the fucking juggernaut was able to power up to her feet twist trinity around and end it with a german suplex so think about the octopus hold and the way that jordan grace is going to be manipulated and she was able to turn that into a german suplex that's fucking crazy uh so i i i want to give them their roses because it was a great match uh, I think they both did a wonderful performance. I think a lot of people know that Trinity is a great performer, but a lot of people, unfortunately, as I said, have not yet given Jordan Grace that due. And, and hopefully this match is another in a long line of matches that people should be paying attention to because she's fucking good, man. She's really fucking good. And that match really showed it. So I don't know. Did you guys get to see it? I've
1: only seen a few highlights. Um, I have yet to see the octopus hold into a German suplex and I know what I'm going to be doing once we wrap the podcast <laughs> this is going to find the spot. But um, I heard, I heard nothing but great things. Um, I, I bummed a little bit because I heard it was slightly overshadowed by the fact that Mercedes Monet and Bailey were both there. Um, obviously just supporting, um, yeah. you know, and rightfully so. And that's fantastic. Mm. Like, who gives a shit what the promotion is? It's just women supporting women in, in professional wrestling. And I, I thought that was really, really cool um, that they were able to do that. Um, but no, I didn't see the match, but I've heard it is absolutely phenomenal. And and Jim, to your point, like the the rise that Jordan Grace has done over the years, like I she calls her. I, she kind of turns the camera on herself. If you look at where she was a couple of years ago to where she is now, it is like a like, holy fuck, 180 twist. Of just her, you know, getting her like she just wanted to get into bodybuilding and how she kind of shed her 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 pounds or whatever and not trying to body shame or anything here. But she just she literally had a insane transformation and it she's just been getting better and better and better. And it also doesn't help that you're married to one of the best professional wrestlers on the planet right now. So I'm sure yeah. that has to help as well. Um, not saying that, you know, Jordan Grace being great is credited to Jonathan Gresham. It just doesn't hurt when you've got, you know, him in the corner. So Tom, did you see the match? No, I I,
2: I have not. I mean, uh, you know, I just uh absorbed this title like a couple of days ago. So in all <laughs> fairness, I have to catch up on TNA. So no, no. I mean, like I wasn't trying to knock uh Trinity or, or Jordan Grace for the the title change. Um, but I was um I love Jordan grace. I think Trinity is, um, super underrated, uh, as a professional wrestler herself. I think she often gets overlooked with like, you know, Bailey, Mercedes, Monet, Charlotte flair, and, um, and, you know, the rest of the, the, you know, women that came out of, uh, you know, the NXT dusty era. Um, I think she, she is often overlooked. I think she's an incredible wrestler herself, but no, I'll have to check it out. That spot sounds insane. Um, It's funny. I I, I can't wait to see it. When you were, when you were describing it, I was like, Oh shit, this sounds
1: awesome. (laughs) Yeah, no, she's a power. She is like a little juggernaut, man. I mean, she is, well, I think she holds like, I think, cause I think she's from, I I, I know she lives in Georgia, but I think she's from Texas or something. So I don't know if it's, it's Georgia. Is it okay? I don't know if she holds Texas records or Georgia records for like women's strength. Like, actual legit power lifting records and she wants to do more. And I mean, so it's she saying she's a juggernaut and strong is like, that's for real, man. She's a, she's a strong piece of iron, <laughs> that woman. So yeah.
2: mm-hmm. no,
1: good for her. Good for her. Um, Tom, what was, uh, what was your match of the week, man? I mean, it
2: isn't actually <laughs> current. I believe it was last week or well, either way. Uh, I'm really surprised of you guys, uh, or Jim, this wasn't yours. Uh, the Okada versus Osprey for possibly the last time. Uh, I think that was just a, a wonderful, uh, just storytelling, a wrap up of, of those two guys' history in new Japan. I think the promo packaging behind it was amazing. And of course you've got two of the greatest wrestlers in the world. currently duking it out. So I, I it was awesome. And the, the, I don't know if the, I don't think, I don't know if they showed it. Um, I know it's been floating around on like YouTube, but his like kind of farewell speech was, was pretty cool. Um, I guess I didn't know Will Osprey was autistic either, which is, I think pretty awesome that, uh, you know, we uh, because I work in the developmental dis- uh, disabled field. I work with a lot of people with autism and I think that was really cool to, um, you know, promote yourself like that. And to, to, to say that, you know, you are a professional wrestler and you're good at your job and you're also autistic. And I think that's fucking awesome um but i mean it's okada and osprey you know what you're getting it's it's phenomenal storytelling and just a phenomenal watch um highly recommend it
1: speaking of a spot going around um i mean you're gonna get a you know a a a highlight with okada and osprey but And i think they've done it before but i and i can't remember it was a drop kick but where okada comes into the ropes and and osprey catches him into the sit out power bomb like Mm Perfect timing though. Like that maybe not as impressive as the Jordan Grace. I'm not trying to take again, take anything away from Jordan Grace, but (laughs) that spot happened so fast. And for those two guys to land like that, you know, midair, a lot of trust, a lot of, and it was cool. I was like, Oh shit. And I I think they've done it before. I I think Ospreys done it before, but just what a great spot. And it just, I've seen that one making the rounds too, where it's just, man, what a cool spot did um i didn't see that one either did um i what i assume okada came out on top or uh, uh
0: yeah no i the entrances were fucking brilliant uh i you know I, first of all i love that because i'm a huge assassin's creed fan myself yeah so yeah, so as soon as Will Ospreay came out, I'm like, oh, yeah, the Assassin's Creed inspired gear and the, mm-hmm. the Hidden Blade. The fact that he had the move called the Hidden Blade, I immediately picked up. I was like, oh, that's a fucking Assassin's Creed. That's awesome. Uh, Okada had this cool jacket that changed colors under UV light. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was really Ooh. cool, really beautiful pageantry that they do at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, but of course, it was a good match. It's Okada versus Ospreay. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. those two you you put Osprey against a fucking mop and you're going to have a great match. You put Okada against a mop. You're going to have an even better match. <laughs> uh, so you uh, put them together. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously it's going to be a great match. Yeah. And fortunately, you know, uh, Osprey going to AEW still has a working relationship with new Japan. So I'm sure we'll see more. I'm sure we'll get more interactions between the two. And thank God, because this is magic. Is there potential rumors that Okada's leaving? New Japan? There's been rumors. Yeah, there's been rumors that Okada might not renew his contract with New Japan. Um, I'd be real surprised because here's again, like a lot of people don't realize that Tanahashi's an attorney or has a has a law degree, I should say. I don't think he, he actually is a practicing attorney, but has a law degree. Uh, Okada is married to a woman who is a gigantic celebrity in Japan uh okada's Mm -hmm. wife is a huge public figure in japan and so for him to come to the u.s and he has a young child for him to come to the u.s would kind of completely derail his wife's career or would leave him in the u.s and his wife in japan yeah i just i just don't think it's very likely that okada leaves i really don't
1: well it's interesting so i don't know if you guys saw this that he recently uh went to trademark Um, he filed a trademark with the U S patent office for the rainmaker, which also makes me just a little nervous that he could be flirting with the WWE because he's putting trademark, you know, like, so he keeps the rights to his nickname and everything like that. And so they can't take it from him. And I I saw that and was like, Oh, I don't, is that a bad sign? (laughs) I don't, I don't like that, but no, to your point too, Jim, I just, yeah, I can't see him completely uprooting his life um yeah. you know when his wife's that big uh she's like a is she a film star like tv star or something or is TV she like, like a pop singer is it yeah, i think it's TV, TV, tv right Pop
0: singer. yeah she's part of that whole j-pop kind of industry uh okay mike what about
1: you man what was your match of the week yeah so mine actually was um it wasn't either of those uh and it was actually within a week um i just thought this was a really solid opening match um and I can't believe I'm going to say this but um oh, no. I'm really liking the direction of where they're going with Hangman but um my match of the week was Hangman versus uh, Claudio from Dynamite um Yay. last Wednesday. Nice. I thought it was a great opening. Um I I don't know what's going on with Hangman. I'm not necessarily a fan of the I'm going to look like Magnum TA. Um cuz I was like <laughs> Why is he looking like Magnum T.A.? And I was
0: like, that's I'm a big fan of that.
1: I, I mean, it looks it. it looks good. I just I uh, he's got a little bit more to, to to grow to fit in fucking Magnum's boots, in my opinion. But I I do like the direction. It seems like he's finally getting away from the Young Bucks. Um, it just kind of something feels different with him. Um, and I just I really thought that was a good match. I just two guys that know what they're doing. You've got great experience in Claudio, um, you know. Uh, you know, great experience in Hangman. Who I, I think I'd say Claudio probably has the the upper hand in the experience. But I just it two guys that hit hard and can put on a damn good match. And I just I thought it was a really good match. It it, it I don't necessarily think it was a five star, but what a hell of a way to open up a, a dynamite man with those two guys. It it just it it's further progressing where they're going. You know, with Hangman. I hope it's not with um, – I don't want to necessarily see another Swerve. Um, I'd like to see him and Hangman. I think that they could have a good program together. I I think that they've kind of exhausted uh, at this point. I think it's just too soon for them to have a trilogy, um, you know, with Swerve. I, I could see it a little bit more down the road. Um, I mean, they do so well together, um, but I just don't it, – It's it, Swerve's already up on him to nothing, so I don't understand with him – Coming back and if he would win. So, like, okay, you're one and two. So that means you're gonna have to have another, you know what I mean? Like it it smells of like, okay, we're gonna have to have another trilogy, etc. Just let it sit for a while. Um, it's too soon and whatnot. And like I said, I think I I would like to I would rather see Hangman and Joe. Um, but I love this new direction that they're doing. It just something feels different with Hangman, and it just it feels more believable that he could actually not that not that his title run was bad but it definitely lacked something and i feel the way he's going now it 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 could it's sparking a little bit of life into him to where i could actually be like i could get behind him as a champion as opposed to like uh i'm there's just something missing from his original run i i'm not getting it where i i i'm kind of i feel like i could really get behind this new kind of uh you know i don't know magnum magnum hangman (laughs) i was trying to figure out how could i put those two together but i don't know if you guys saw it love to hear your comments on it but i thought it was a a pretty fucking solid match and and definitely was better than what was on fucking rampage and collision this week that's for sure because i oof i was really disappointed with those but anyway that's my pick hangman and uh claudio
0: no i'm glad you i'm glad you come around on hangar uh i know tom especially was not a big hangman fan at the beginning but uh, i'm glad i'm glad you guys are both kind of recognizing hangman page because he is he's kids fucking good kids really solid uh and he has a great move set and he knows how to string them together uh in a Mm -hmm. compelling way uh i I thought yeah i thought that was a great opening match too um I, i think the the thing that was missing from hangman's first title run was real glass for the record i think that's ultimately <laughs> what would have put him over the top but uh <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> Crime a river uh i i think yeah i think it was a it was a great opening match and and that's you know that's been kind of a calling card of dynamite is they tend to put out a banger first match and they almost have two main events they bookend their show with main events yeah. uh yeah. and and that's been kind of their their production style and uh I, yeah no different this week
1: no i i it was uh yeah the the, the the speaking of spots i don't know i jim i'm assuming you saw it tom i don't i don't know if you did Mm -hmm. Uh, but when Claudio, he's been doing it a lot lately where he's been doing the giant swing into the sharpshooter. I just, I thought that looked great with Hangman. For some reason I was like, Oh shit, I think he's going to get him. And obviously he didn't, but it just, I, they just told a great story. I thought so.
2: I think, uh, I, yeah, I definitely think, uh, page has come a long way for, for myself. Like, I think he's gotten like phenomenally better on the mic um i think he's i think you're absolutely right mike i think he is and i don't know if it's like intentional or whatever but i think i'm glad he's distancing himself from like all the young buck storyline and, and kenny omega because that that played out and i mean it, you know it, it was it got stale after a while when you know we all know that like page and omega were gonna feud and then he he's gonna come back and help them out and they're all gonna be buddies again um and i, I think it's it's if you want to make if you really want to push hangman to the top, like you just, that you just do it. Um, you just have him as this rough neck kind of ass kicking dude. And yeah, I think he's great. Like Jim said, his movesets are clean. They're, they're just, he's fun. He's, he's fun to watch, uh, you know, and I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I, I enjoy anytime he's on, you know, anytime he's got a match, anytime he's wrestling with somebody, you know, you're going to get a good match. And so, um, yeah, my great pick, I think, and same with Claudio, Man, I I just wish Claudio could get the recognition as like a world champ that he deserves, because I think that dude is just unreal. He is so fucking good. Um and I wish they would just do something other than have him as being kind of like a mid card guy. But hey, you know, even mid card guys have have their place. So mm-hmm.
1: I could see him. I I was I mean, maybe not in this iteration of it, cause I'm assuming they're probably going to do it again. Just given that it seemed that what I'm talking about is the continental classic, where it seems a lot like it's like, you know, kind of their version of the G one. Um, I could see him definitely as a continental champ. Um, I could even see him. I don't want to say play second fiddle in the BCC, but I could easily see him doing like maybe not in their continental or intercontinental, but the, um, <laughs> oh my God. Why what I was butcher with international title or even a TNT champ. I mean, it's just that's, I mean, my God, that is just, you know, Christian's got a lock on that for a while, uh, and whatnot. And we got to see that go. But I could see Claudio, but that he he plays second fiddle to like John Moxley as the heavyweight champ. Or if yeah. they decide to do it, I don't think they're gonna give Brian another run with a title, but I could kind of see it. Um, you know, if they're gonna do like a faction, because that's it kind of seems like that's where they're going with what is this the undisputed kingdom and whatnot? They seem like they're going to get all the gold at some point. Um, I'm actually surprised they didn't do it with the BCC um, and and whatnot. But like, it just stinks. I just I don't think he'd ever get an AEW title picture or he'd ever be in that. But I think he'd be a great TNT potential Continental Classic champion, etc. There. But I agree with you, Tom. It just it sucks that he's not getting his his just desserts as like a a you know true world champion.
2: I actually think uh, having him and Wheeler Yuta in the the Blackpool Combat Club was kind of an odd choice. Like him and Danielson always always seemed right, and I feel like bringing in Claudia was just kind of like, huh, this is just is a weird fit. I feel like he would have been great with like a nice suit, Andrade kind of like those that type of heel, you know, faction. I think he could have done great there, but I mean, I don't know. It's yeah, I mean. It, I think I think eventually we'll we'll hopefully see a title on him but you're right Mike I don't think it's going to be a, the the
1: AEW title anytime soon It sucks too cuz he's so goddamn good and I mean evident oh, yeah. by the match too I mean we're doing something just a little bit different here. Um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely get back to the spotlights this year. Um, we've had a lot of fun covering them and um, you know, I especially want to get back to, you know, some of the more surprise ones uh, you know, that we've, we, we did last year uh, and whatnot, but um, there was a, a, a little movie that dropped uh, late last year um, that uh, I, I, for one was actually a little uh, trepidatious about um, just because of the subject matter um, you know, given the fact that, you know, wrestling movies, you know, it, shit, uh, God, I, I, I don't even want to say the pinnacle, but like, not a good track record <laughs> is I think, yeah, I mean, you know, ready to rumble, no holds barred, Mr. Name. I mean, just not good. Um, you know, and, and, and definitely took a turn for the better with the wrestler, um, with Darren Aronofsky's film, um, probably one of the most heart wrenching uh, movies I think I've ever seen. Um, but really kind of took a different spin on, you know, the, you know, telling, not necessarily telling the story of wrestling, but presenting wrestling in a different light. Um, and it was, that movie was fantastic. And, um, if you've been sleeping under a rock, um, because this movie actually has the movie that I'm talking about, that dropped late last year uh, if you've been sleeping under a rock has actually gotten a lot of buzz um, and all three of us finally got to see it. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to see it together for various reasons, which uh, quite honestly kind of bummed me out. I was really hoping to see it with you guys. Um, and I'm sure one day, you know, we'll all sit and watch it and, and weep together um, because I, I, <laughs> right I, would together. Only, I only have to assume all of us cried immensely uh, oh God, towards the yeah. end of this movie. Uh, and whatnot. But what I'm talking about is the Iron Claw um, and more specifically, really the a telling of the Von Erich story, um, quite, quite possibly one of the most tragic stories um, in professional wrestling. And that's why I was really trepidatious about really you know, going into this movie because of the subject matter um, and whatnot. And I was absolutely blown away um, by how great this movie was, how moving it was the subtleties that they did, which we'll, we'll get into, um, Tom and I have been talking about it. Um, I just saw it last Saturday. I think Jim, you were the first one then Tom, then me. Um, and I, I really, really want to talk about some of these, just the little subtleties that they did. Um, you know, that were just not only, um, you know, apparent to the wrestling fans, but my wife, Caitlin and I saw it. And even she, uh, you know, for instance, when, uh, Carrie Von Eric showed up at the Von Erich house to give his dad, uh, you know, the pistol and whatnot. They didn't even need to go into the depth of his substance abuse. You could clearly tell he was under the influence. Granted, there were little shots throughout the movie of him doing some drugs and whatnot, and there was the undermining of him just drinking constantly. I think even Kevin Zach Efron's character, uh, who played Kevin von Eric, the 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 eldest, um, well, second eldest, I guess. uh You know, von Eric was always like, "Oh yeah, Carrie can throw him back," and just those little subtleties really, really hit home mm-hmm. for me. But. Um, a plus, uh, on this movie. Um, I was really blown away. Um, I, I, you know, definitely a little bummed out that they left a few things out. Um, you know, the timeline was a little skewed. There was definitely some things, but I mean, that's, that's the movies. And I, I mean, how like, and I think even the director said, like, I was already kind of giving you a big fucking kick in the dick with this, you know, um, I couldn't give you any more because you probably just leave the theater in a You know, just an absolute mess. And what I'm talking about um, is they left out one of the brothers, um, uh, Chris Von Eric, but Mm -hmm. I think they combined him. I don't know. I was one of the things I wanted to ask you guys, you know, kind of combining Mike and Chris, um, it seemed like a little bit, but I I really want to get into this with you guys um, because I absolutely love this movie. Um, and what a performance by everybody involved. Um, you know, particularly Zach Efron, who's always been kind of, you know, Mr. Mr. Pretty Boy, Mr. Abs and whatnot. And that was another thing that I thought, you know, going into this when he was, you know, cast as Kevin. Um, you know, I'm like, great, it's another spotlight for, you know, Zach Efron to look way better than me. Um and <laughs> make me insanely jealous. But he he was great. I mean, he was absolutely fantastic in this movie. So, um, you know, I, I, let's go around the horn really quick, you know, what we thought of it and then really want to get into, you know, you know, some of the more, like I said, intricacies of the movie and, you know, what really made the movie so special for us. Um, you know, um, I'll try and I'm hoping I can get through it. Um, and, and whatnot just, you know, but, um, Jim, um, you were the first one to see it. What were, what were your thoughts coming out of the gate?
0: Uh, well, a couple on a couple of notes um before I dive in. Number one, earlier in this this show, I talked about how uh I I I nerded out about the independent contractor thing because it was three of my favorite things to talk about. Uh well, this is my fourth favorite thing to talk about, and that is film. I, I love talking film. So I I was super excited. Uh the other thing I wanted to point out right up front is the elephant in the room. And that, is, that was the worst fucking Ric Flair I've ever seen in my entire oh life. Oh, boy. Oh, my
2: goodness. Yes, it was.
0: It was infuriating. Uh, it was really like, it, it, it sucks because it happens at a point in the film where it's like really actually very tense and there's a lot of build. And if you're a wrestling fan, that completely takes you out of the moment. Uh, seeing that yeah. guy play Ric Flair just completely lost, I was like, what the fuck? buck now if you're not a wrestling fan if you were just going to the movies to watch this movie you would notice and it, yeah. it's, it's fine but if you're a wrestling fan worst fucking brick flare ever uh the other thing i'll say is about my experience of going to see this in the theater um i was in a not really packed theater I, i'd say it was less than half full but it was it was really telling to me uh, what the experience was going to be like when there's a point early on in the film where they're they're sitting around the the, the dinner table and they're eating, and uh, Kevin is talking to to Fritz, uh, and Fritz says, you know, like, oh, well, everybody knows that you know Carrie's my favorite, and then Kevin, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then and then David, and then Michael, but that can always change. Half the people in the audience, the the theater that I was in, laughed at that point. And it was very clear that like, that wasn't a joke. That was like that was intended to be a very, you know, uh, you know, setting the stage for this is the kind of person Fritz von Erich really was. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of funny how pe- like the, the the reaction in the in that particular audience was, ha ha, ha uh, and then this like awkward, like, oh, that wasn't they weren't kidding. That was Okay, this is what this is gonna be. Uh, I will say from a cinematic standpoint, it was beautiful. It was shot like an A24 film. Um Mm, the the lighting and the this the framing and the cinematography was just absolutely beautiful. It was gorgeous. I loved it. Uh I really liked the sound design of the film. I thought they did a phenomenal job with that. Uh, I thought the acting was was very, very good. Um, you know, again, as a wrestling fan, of course i loved it because you know the 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 dark side of the ring on the von erichs is is one of the best things i've ever seen and you could tell that the producers of this film had watched that for a lot of their source Ooh. material there was a lot of, of carryover from there uh i i will say that as as um just a human being i loved the fact that it was a story about generational trauma uh, it was a story about breaking that cycle and you know i we, we've we talked about before you know you tell people you're a wrestling fan and you kind of get weird reactions and i think iron claw is a great movie for non-wrestling fans to appreciate wrestling uh it shows you the the business side it shows you the behind the scenes i love the fact that there's a bruiser brody moment in there uh that was really touching to me that was like oh fuck uh you know that was that mm-hmm. really kind of touched me a bit um It's just a great, it's a phenomenal story that has a connection for, I think, most people, whether you're a wrestling fan or not. Uh, And and the fact that it does kind of show you the realities of wrestling was just even better for me. Uh, But even non-wrestling fans, I think, could get a lot out of the film because it does. It touches on a very human note. Uh, and, And I will say, you know, yeah, Zac Efron did a great job. If anything, I'd say Zac Efron was a little too bulked up. Kevin Von Erich is exactly a big guy, but Zac Efron was fucking yoked.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, um, but uh, but no, I I absolutely loved it. I cannot wait for it to become available to purchase. Um, yeah. I you know it's been a long time since I purchased physical media, but I'm absolutely going to purchase that as physical media uh, mm-hmm. and, and have that around because it just it, it was yeah no doubt about it. Bald like a little bitch. Uh, I cried like a fucking baby. Um, oh my oh. gosh. I was the last one out of that theater because I needed to compose myself for a while. Uh, And uh, yeah, it was, can't wait to watch it again and and can't wait to, to cry again.
1: Honestly. Yeah, no, I told Kate the same thing. I was holding my wife's hand because now I'll get into this here in a minute, Um, you know, but I, I knew the shoe was going to drop at some point, And I was like, I'm making it through. I'm making it through. And then that last 10 minutes of the movie, it was just like, mm. and waterworks. And like Caitlin was like rubbing my hand. And I, it just, it was again from, I mean, the, the aspect of, of wrestling, the human element you know, the touching on the human emotion, the generational trauma, et cetera. I mean, it was just, it all hit home right at that end. And, oh man, same with you, Jim. I I had to kind of sit for a minute and then I cried even more out in the car, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, Cause I just, it again, get to it in a second, but it, it was just, yeah. Wow. What a, what a film, Tom, what were your thoughts right out of the gate?
2: Oh man. There's so much to be said about this film that uh, as a like, I've been, I've been talking about it for like days. I saw it with a good friend of mine, David, and, um, we both cried. We both, you know, um, he saw it before I, before me and he was like, dude, you gotta go see it again. Uh, or go see it. And, uh, I mean, there's, I mean, I totally agree with everything that Jim said. Um, I mean, I don't know anything about film nearly as nearly as much as he does. Um, but as a film, I think it was just beautifully shot. Um, Uh, same with the storytelling they make fritz um i did read on a post that they somebody and i disagree with this and i wanted to bring this up in the podcast too is that they said they make fritz look a little too soft which i disagree with i think they made him look perfect i and i i personally didn't i don't know much about like that era of like fritz you know fritz von eric and the with the ganyas and um like the old, old school territory days before like flair and everybody shows up. Um, man, he, he was just an asshole. And apparently the, that, that rankings thing was pretty, I'm, I think real. Uh, and and like, can you imagine, I mean, me and Jim are our fathers, like to say that to your kids is, is insane. That's like, like, what are you doing? Like, Oh, you're my favorite, but if you work hard enough, it can change. And it's like, no, man, your, your kids are your kids. You love them regardless of their success or failures. Um, uh, I think, I think they made for, I also too, speaking of, uh, of casting, Ric Flair was one of the worst things I've ever seen, but I'm sorry, man, Fritz and Harley race were like dead on. I, I, I was, I was, I was a little nervous cause it's like, you know, cause they're like larger than life personalities. And like, you don't really see bruiser Brody all that much, like up close but you're like holy shit that's bruiser brody holy shit that's harley race that's the free and we see Ric flair you're like that that's not rick flair and <laughs> yeah, I, get it. Yeah. I get it he's a very he's like wanna you know it's just like trying to cast macho man who on earth could you cast macho man other than macho man and it's like yeah that that part i think would i think rick flair would have been I think a lot of people would have been just disappointed with anybody at that point, but man, they really blew it though. I mean, I remember I leaned over to my, my friend, David, who, who knows a little bit about professional wrestling. He, he definitely appreciates the craft of it. And I was like, that is the worst fucking Ric Flair I've ever seen. And he just started laughing. Um, and I think one, one of the main, I'm such a sucker for brother movies. Um, I, I do, I do a podcast with my brother. My brother is my best friend. um, I've also like my close friends, Jim and Dave, I considered like brother, like figures. And there's something so just like beautiful and, and unexplainable. And Jim, I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to exclude your actual brothers too. Jim is a brother (laughs) and like, there's just a bond between your brothers. That is just hard to explain. And I always tell people, if you ever want to see a movie that explains brotherhood it's definitely the Iron Claw and Hell or High Water and that whole, just any, I'll do anything for you. I think one of my favorite scenes in there, and it was like, that was the beginning of me like choking up, was it reminded of me dicking around with you guys when I was a kid and I and that whole like, oh, you know, uh, I I want a cheeseburger. I'm hungry for a cheeseburger. And Kevin's like, there's food in the fridge and then our food in the, the cooler. And he's like, you know, Carrie would have gotten a cheeseburger with me. And he's like, come on, little brother, I'll go get you a cheeseburger. And then all of them are eating cheeseburgers. Like, even yeah. though know, Zach Efron's character, Kevin didn't want to. And I think there's just like, there's that sim- simple beauty of brotherhood of just like you razz each other, but you'll do anything for, you know, you'll do anything for the, uh, that person. Um, it was just, a, I, I think ultimately to, to wrap it up, what made me like, I think cry the most is that this is real. This was real life. And like knowing, yes, we do know the, 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 you know, we know the pomp and circumstance, which is, I don't know if I even said that right, but we know that the spectacle of professional wrestling, and there is a very ugly side to it. And I think the wrestler touched on it because, and we were all like, oh, this is a little bit of Jake the snake, but this is also like WWE. Like this was a tragedy. Like these, these were brothers who felt that they, absolutely had no way out except for to kill themselves. And there's, there's just something that was just very human about the movie that that's why I was just like, like I think I was crying the most was like, I can't even imagine how Kevin feels like not only living through that, but seeing that movie and having to go through that again and being like that, that end scene. I mean, we can talk about it now. I used to be a brother and that just broke me. That I was just like, holy shit. I think that sums up the entire movie perfectly. I used to be a brother and now I don't have any brothers to share that with. And it's just like, I, it just, I mean, I could cry thinking about it right now, (laughs) but like there's, there's just the human side of it was absolutely beautiful. And I'm so glad that they did that. And that was like, yes, professional wrestling, the glitz, the glam, the, 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 the physicality and the, the bodybuilding, all of that. You take that all away and they're still humans and they're, they have very humanistic problems and it showed through the whole movie. I mean, it kind of paints Fritz as like, Hey man, you, you kind of killed four of your boys or for how well, hard hundred percent, you know, a lot of
1: people said that, that he's really ultimately, you know, not obviously he didn't pull the trigger or, you know, whatever, but he, he kind of is responsible for them dying, you know, because well, he pushed them so fucking hard.
2: Real, real quick, before we jump to you, I wanted to include this. So I don't know if you guys know this, but I was reading, um, this book, uh, that I was talking about before we, we, um, hopped on. It was a story about Fritz being approached by, um, a man who was for, uh, he, he was in Auschwitz and this is when, you know, if you guys know that our audience knows, obviously back in the day, you protect kayfabe at all costs. And he was, you know, Fritz von Erich, when he first started, was like portraying this Nazi-like character. Um, I don't even see. I think he was just portraying a Nazi. And a Jewish man came behind, uh, came came and found him when he was like after the show and was like, hey, man, uh, I want to let you know something that like what you're doing is very offensive. And of course, he was like in character. And he was like, absolutely not. You know, like, I'm the bad guy. And he was like, no, man. And he pulled up his sleeve and showed him the tattoo from Auschwitz. And he was like, I lost my family in, you know, Auschwitz and they were killed by Nazis. And like Fritz von Erich was like, oh man, he broke character. And he was like, I'm really sorry. And he was like, I just hope one day this never happens to you. And if that's not like, you know, foreshadow, I don't know what is. And I, I read that and I was like, holy shit, I got to bring this up on the podcast. Like that's crazy that like he was so dedicated that. to the craft that even, even that he was just like not willing to like stop betraying this person that was just pure evil, you know? And like, man, Fritz, Fritz was, man, that guy was a, a beast of a person.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it's a classic tale of ways of being a beast, I guess.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think there was definitely some element, I think even the more, you know, the gruffest of characters still love their families, you know, and I'm glad they kind of included that to where even as big of a dick as he was to the boys, I think he still really loved the boys, you know? And I mean, it's just a general like with Jim saying generational trauma, he probably had no way to show it, you know, because he wasn't shown love like. You know, our, Tom, our dad, you know, is, it constantly talks about our grandfather never really being, you know, a, a compassionate individual. Yeah. I think he still loved our dad, but, like, just didn't know how to show it and whatnot. And, you know, and and given that also, you know, the NWA title definitely eluded Fritz, he wanted to see it through. You know, I told Caitlin, I said, imagine if he would have had all girls like <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like what, what no. would he have done? You know, his goal was to bring that fucking NWA title into the Von Erich family for him essentially. And he just did it vicariously through his boys. Um, and, and, and whatnot. And, you know, I wanted to, I think, you know, just a sorry, I know we're kind of sharp left turn here, you know, but Tom, you kind of brought it up. And I think what really got me, um, you know, again, was the, the the three of us have known each other for so long and the closest I've ever had to having an older brother is Jim. Um, you know, and even Caitlin brought it up like the, them sneaking, you know, Michael out to go play his gig. <laughs> yeah, like, That's that what great. brothers do. That's what siblings do. Caitlin even said, she's like, I remember my brothers and sisters doing that stuff. You know, there's, uh, there's just that tight knit group around siblings, you know, and brothers. I, I'm with you, Tom, you know, cause I know, you know, I, it, I I, I can't explain, you know, uh, the brotherhood. I don't know how to explain it. It it just it's there, you know, and it's the thing that got me was when it was when he hugged when Carrie was in the afterlife and he hugged Jack Jr. And it all came together. And I just was like, God damn, that's what it's about, man, is like. I just, the love of your, your brothers, you know? And like I said, that they, 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 you two are the, you know, Tom, you are my brother and Jim, as far as I, you are my older brother, you know, I never had one. And the closest I ever had was Jim, you know, giving me a lot of tough love. It brought up a lot of emotions in that movie and whatnot. And it's just, it, it was beautiful. And I just was like, I think that's what hit me. And, you know, and the fact that like, I, you guys both know this, and I, you know, I think have all, you know, have have not that I was, you know, the obviously I, I I'm a middle child and whatnot, but like I would do anything for any of you, you know, and the fact that like I was really happy that they did that really well with Zach Efron's with Kevin is that he would have done anything for his brothers and how guilty he felt for not being able to help them um you know and i i believe i i may have misquoted this because i was telling caitlin i thought carrie called um kevin but i think it was actually bret hart where they they, that was kind of the last conversation was that he was saying i'm gonna go be with my brothers but i thought carrie did call kevin and was like hey i'm really in a bad spot and i don't know what to do um etc and just that that helplessness of not being able to help the people that you love so dearly and whatnot. And I, I don't know, knowing that they're together in the afterlife, you know, whether you, whatever you choose to believe that is, you know, is that they were together. But I just thought that was a really touching moment. And when he just really held Jack and was, you know, we're together again as brothers and, and just, yeah, that it was just, it was a beautiful moment. And that was, that was what really hit it home for me was just the fact that like, it reminded me of you two so much, you know, and my own brother, especially, and, and kind of my, my pseudo older brother is just that like, we've been through so much and there's not one fucking thing that we wouldn't do for each other. And, you know, and if we could, we'd all do anything we could, you know, to solve all of our problems. And sometimes we can't, but like that bond of just love and friendship and, that just we're going to be there for each other as, as much as we possibly can. I just, I thought that was beautiful. And that, that just crushed me. That that's what got me. So uh, uh, did you
2: guys, did you guys notice the significance of why they hugged as intimately as they, they did when they, they all see each other in the end?
1: Did you guys hear about that or read anything about that? The no, that I didn't know. I haven't really read much about uh, the, all that stuff yet.
2: Uh, the whole point of that, that scene, I guess, was, That, you know, Fritz throughout the whole movie is telling them to not cry, to not be, to not show emotion because that's what men do. And then that was the reason why I like, I I started like crying so hard was because that they all like embraced each other and they were like, I I know it sounds kind of corny, but like just naturally loving each other the way that they felt fit to do not what their father told them to do. So that's why they're all like Mm. embracing. And I guess the director told them that like. When you guys see each other, it's supposed to be like, like you haven't seen your brothers in a long time. And like, that was the whole point of that's why they're not like, Hey man, it's good to see you. It's like, <laughs> that's why it's, it's like all like super, like very intimate. They're all like kind of embracing and, and like hugging yeah. all each other at once. And like, I thought that was really cool. And I thought that was like, really, that was such a powerful moment to me that it was just like, yeah, we're not going to, we love each other regardless of like what our dad tells us to do. And I thought that was
1: great. It was a beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, no, I wanted to talk about, um, not to, so I feel like all three of us are at any point going to start crying and not that that's a bad thing. Um, (laughs) you know, but, um, no, I mean, it was, it was a beautiful movie. It really was again, not just from the aspect of wrestling, but just again, that friendship, brotherhood love and like, you know, that we're all getting through it, you know? Um, and, and, yeah, it was just what a profound movie. Um, but just I wanted to talk about some of the intricacies that I thought were just absolutely brilliant, too. Um, and and one moment in particular where I'm, I'm I you know, again, kind of the, the what I thought was brilliant about the movie um, is like some of the little subtleties that they threw in. Like, you know, from my understanding, yes, Kevin wanted to be a wrestler. But at some point he was kind of like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And I thought they did a really good job when Harley raced suplexed him on the floor and you could see in that one shot where he was obviously in a lot of pain. And he's like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like that, that really fucking hurt, you know? Um, and whatnot. And I just, I didn't know if you guys had any little subtle, subtle intricacies that you picked up on, uh, and whatnot. And the one I wanted to really quick before I turn it over to you guys, um, just so I don't forget it, um, was when he was wrestling Ric Flair for the title, Kevin, and he wouldn't let go of the claw, but that, like was that did that i don't remember did that actually happen because when they go back into the locker room flair seems like oh man that was great you can get your rematch anytime and it's just it's the brilliance of kayfabe where I thought I was like wait a minute wait what, was that real like did he actually like you know, because that that line was so blurred back then i just i thought it was a brilliant piece of filmmaking where it's it's I was like holy shit they're 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 doing it all over you know what i mean they're they're doing what they what wrestling does is like was it real or not? Because Carrie and, and Fritz are there and they're like, what the fuck, man? Like, what were you doing? And I'm like, wait, w- was he supposed to win? And then Flair comes in and is like, woo, I'm going to be drinking at the Holiday Inn, which I thought was kind of funny. I was like, yeah, go fuck yourself. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think his exact words were uh, Do you want to get fucked up tonight?
1: <laughs> yeah Yeah. no anyway i just i just didn't know but jim i I you know I, I really want to see what you guys if there were like little subtle moments like that that you noticed that really stuck out to you at all but was that a was that was he supposed to win the nwa no. title and like was that or was that literally just Kevin kind of a fun little kayfabe moment you know
0: yeah i think i think that was just a really good storytelling moment from the director of blurring that line and bringing you into that world Um, I, I, I think if anything, um, Kevin may have gone slightly off script, but you know, still within, you know, the parameters, um, for me, I, one of, one of the most, one of the most powerful subtle moments for me was it's about, eh, it's about halfway through the film, uh, where Kevin is, is in the ring by himself. And he's kind of just breathing on the ropes. And again, when I mentioned earlier, the sound design and you can hear the, the, the labor breathing and you can see on his face in his facial expressions, the range of thoughts going through his mind as he's getting ready and, and as he's psyching himself up and then he starts running the ropes, you know, and he starts dropping and he starts bumping and he's doing, I love that because it really kind of gives you that, that, Look behind the curtain of you know what these guys are really going through as wrestlers and what particularly Kevin was going through as this desperately trying to please his father, desperately trying to 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 win the love of his father, uh, and at the same time, as you just talked about, figuring out if this is really what he wants to do. Does he give up himself so that he can win his father's love? Does he give up himself? so that he can be who his father wants him to be or does he choose to be himself uh i, I just i really liked that moment um personally because it was like i said it was yeah. all the elements came together i thought it was lit beautifully it had a, a yeah. shallow depth of field so it, you kind of had to focus on kevin the world blurred around him just as his world was blurred uh, i i just i i, I thought it was yeah. a really nice filmmaking moment
1: no that was and it was funny we were because um caitlin didn't know um, about uh carrie and his prosthetic leg and his i was foot, like yeah. at his foot yeah his foot not his leg but um i was like you need to go in. and she was like did he really do that and i i showed her the SummerSlam match with mr perfect and i was like he didn't have a foot and she's like holy shit and i'm like yeah that's I, the amount of pain that guy was probably in from doing that probably, and again, I know he was, he, towards the end of his life, he was, you know, really heavily into drugs and I can only assume steroids, you know, allegedly, um, et cetera and whatnot. But like, I was like, I had no idea even as a kid, like I didn't even really know that until, uh, you know, later in life, et cetera. Um, and whatnot. And I just thought that was really, you know, the fact that he, they really played that up, that he hid that, um, and, you know, really did it well. And I think played into the, you know, into the, um, the, the kind of what you said, Jim is just, you know, what they did to get their father's love, um, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't know, Tom, did you have any, did anything kind of like stick out to you at all? Like that just, you um, know.
0: yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually
2: kind of surprised that they didn't focus I mean, I understand that it was a movie told from Kevin's perspective, but I'm really kind of surprised that they didn't focus a lot more on Carrie because I feel like out of all of the Von Erichs, Carrie's story is kind of the most notorious, if that's the right word, if uh, like the most known of of the the, the brothers because um, he was obviously the most most popular. But um, I think one of the best moments like subtle moments, like Jim was talking about too, for sure. That was when he was running the ropes and he's kind of like pseudo punishing yeah. himself, like doing all those backdrops and stuff Um, was when Kerry won the title and he's just kind of staring at it at the table and Kevin's there and they're both kind of looking at it. And it, it was like, wait, that's it. Like, this is what dad's been chasing. And I know, you know, uh uh Kerry Von Eric kind of met, he says like, Oh, I'm just kind of soaking it all in. And I think that was more of like, I'm soaking all this in and like, I did all of this. We went through all of this shit for this thing. And I, I I think you can see it. And I think it was a really, really subtle and beautiful moment of like, wow, this is just a fucking belt. Like, that's it. Like, I did all this work for this. And I think, you know, his dad, and, and even when Kerry won, I don't even think his dad was like, they didn't really show him, his dad like, freaking out about it because i I think in his mind the wrong the wrong son won the title because i think he really wanted david to win it um because like i think david was his like his guy um and and so i thought that was really good uh how they how they did that and then and then you know that's when carrie takes off on his motorcycle and he he crashes because he's you know like i think he's really second guessing wrestling too at that point and i think he's just he's so far into it because he was the more popular of the of the The brothers that he was just like fuck i I, i'm stuck in this position uh that i don't want to be in
0: another subtle moment that also allows us to give a shout out to uh our main man maxwell jacob friedman yeah Uh, but in that in that brief scene where mjf is playing lance uh and uh you know care kevin is desperately trying to get him to to tag in yeah right so that he can the, again i i think zach efron did a really good job with the facial expressions and with his body language of telling that story of just frustration edge of defeat uh you know just he's like come on like oh you know and and you know you can see mjf and kind of a soft focus is lance von eric the fake von eric yeah uh, yep. you know kind of kind of dancing around and, and just strutting and doing all of his thing I, I thought that was a really good moment too where again i think zach efron did a really good job of showing the layers that kevin was feeling in that moment um and again I, I it was fun for me as a wrestling fan it was fun for me watching the movie to not only see the cameos but also the 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 figures and be like oh fuck that's p.s hayes that's michael p.s hayes oh there's you know there's there's bam bam gordy and you know there's like i said i saw bruiser brody and and it was also cool to be like oh there's mjf oh there's ryan nemeth oh there's you know like that's chavo you could see that it's chavo at one point oh yeah chavo's in the beginning yeah chavo's plays the chic uh chavo also lots of praise as the coordinator and the guy who trained yeah uh, those guys mm-hmm. on how to wrestle. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was cool as a wrestling fan. It was really fucking cool. But even if I wasn't a wrestling fan, there was just a lot of really good filmmaking storytelling techniques used.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what really, you know, before we before we wrap here, um, one of the things that it, 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 interesting, just wanted to get your guys's opinion, because one of the things I've heard um, uh, about, I guess, the other than the god awful Ric Flair um, the impersonate. I don't know what that was, but I like you. I mean, well, no, because you know you go to the movies to be you know drawn in and whatnot. And obviously, as a wrestling fan, like this already had our attention. Um, and Jim, I think you kind of alluded to it just a few minutes ago. Where I, when I saw him, I was like, oh, please don't let me take this out of the movie because I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, who who thought this was a good idea? Like, I mean, it is so un- it is so fucking bad. I was like, I his promo when he was. I'm like, what? did anybody actually watch a Ric Flair promo? Like, like what is that? And whatnot. So what I'm trying to get at is, is, is some of the other, I guess um, pushback is that there were several inaccuracies um, and some of the things that I'm, I'm surprised they did. obviously, again, this is a movie they only have, you know, so much like for instance, with the whole, I, I had no problem with them leaving Chris out. I think even the director said, again, you know, I'm already kicking you in the dick. I don't need to do it to you again with another brother that killed themselves on the family farm. Uh, and whatnot, but I'm just surprised that they, they did leave out, um, all the brothers were married, um, and had kids. Um, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't involve that just given the, the the family aspect of the movie as well. Um, and again, I know it was mostly told from Kevin's perspective, um, you know, and whatnot, but just, I I thought that was kind of odd that they left out that. And then, uh, again, some of the timeline was a little off. Um, you know, uh, when David injured his shoulder, he actually, or I'm sorry, when Mike, hurt his shoulder. He actually did that overseas, uh, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, and I, I believe he actually didn't die on the ranch. Um, it was, he was somewhere else, uh, when they found him, et cetera. So just curious to see if, 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 you know, do you think that I, obviously it doesn't seem like it hurt the movie at all, but do you think that they should have included, you know, some more of that stuff maybe been a little bit more accurate with the timelines, et cetera. Um, you know, cause I, I like you, Tom, I, I think, a, a another thing that I read that they, uh, some folks were kind of like, oh, bummer was that David's run, um, you know, because that was a a big deal. Like you said, Fritz was really putting a lot on David. They did touch on it, obviously, when he's like, oh, you're going to go out on the road. You're going to go to Japan. And obviously, you know, foreshadowing what happened to him uh, and whatnot. But a lot of people actually think that that was kind of a key piece to the Von Erich story is the fact that, you know, it, and maybe, and again, that's the subtlety of the whole story is that, you know, like Jim, what you said, you know, in the beginning, it was like, Carrie's my favorite, then it's this, then it's this. It's just that he always seemed to have a rotating favorite, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that was, you know, obviously the, okay, that was, you know, and, 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 um, and whatnot, um, I lose my train of thought. Sorry. But, um, I guess I just, you know, like you, Jim, I think a non-wrestling fan would have been, okay. So what, whatever. But just as I guess, as a wrestling fan, do you think that it the movie it could have been not better, but like I don't know. What do what do you think? What are your thoughts about? I guess them leaving out some some I guess key some key things.
0: Well, it's it. You know, coincidentally, we're also all comic book nerds, and you know, we we've 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 had to deal with this with the MCU, right? It's you. There's the MCU version, and then there's the comic book version. You know, and you you go in and it's. I I have this conversation with my colleagues who teach literature all the time, you know, as someone who teaches film, you know, there's, there's a lot of books that are turned into movies and you know, Oh, the book's always better than the movie. And I always say, that's not a fair comparison. Um, they, they, the movie's different and the movie has to be different or else why make it? If you're just going to do a word for word reenactment of the book, number one, the movie will be 12 hours long. And number two, why bother? (laughs) Right. Why? Yeah. It's already there. So the fact that they had to change the source material, I understand. I completely mm-hmm. understand as, as somebody who, who understands, you know, filmmaking and understands, you know, that professional wrestling is not for everybody as somebody who understands that the Von Eric story isn't for everybody. I get it. I get why they had to do it. Do I, I personally, I wish Chris was involved. I wish Chris was in the, in the movie. Um, mm. I, I get the directors, uh, director slash writer, uh, cause it was the same person. I get their motivation for leaving Chris out, but I think a lot could have been added to it. I get why he didn't touch on the wives and kids though. I do understand that, uh, as well. Um, you know, if for no other reason, then it keeps Lacey Von Eric out of the movie. Uh, and I think the wrestling fans the world over want to forget Lacey Von Eric, uh, because <laughs> she did everything she could to destroy the Von Eric name in TNA. Uh, but I understand why yeah, that was would,
1: not a good run.
0: Was, no, she was not. Oh, it was right. so bad,
1: was terrible. Uh, yeah. I,
0: so I understand, I understand the decisions. I, I would have, you know, I would have stayed for a three hour movie. A lot of right. people wouldn't. And yeah, yeah. I, and I get that and I get that. So it, it you know, I, it's, it sucks, but I understand is what I'll say.
2: I, I totally agree with that, Jim. I, you know, yeah, we could have stayed there for four hours and, but again, it's, you have to. You're making a a movie about brothers that happen to have wrestling. You're not making a wrestling movie, you know. That's touching on brothers. You know what I mean? And it was like, yes, the diehard wrestling fan in me wanted nothing more to see like more and more and more. Um, <clears throat> but as as like a storytelling perspective, yeah, it, it totally makes sense. And you know, I know a lot of big people's uh, a lot of like wrestling nerds' gripes were the, they were like, "Oh, Curry Curry's not five seven. and it's like that doesn't affect yeah. the story whatsoever no, to me like he could be seven three and I'd be like okay cool it's it's still like you're missing the point if you're focusing on how tall the guy is um yeah and i I, I don't know I just think um I guess i w- i I don't know I would have loved to, to have seen a little just like maybe and and I, and I know why he didn't do it was because he probably probably gotten sued for one but like just a kind of a a jab at WWE about how poorly Carrie was used. I, and they, 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 he makes a very subtle, like, you know, uh, I got, I've got a new contract now and I'm only doing house shows. And it was like, to us, you're like those motherfuckers, like, God, they just like killed Carrie. Um, and to the, you know, average movie goer, they're just kind of like, what, 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 why is a guy saying that? So <laughs> you know, like, I don't yeah. understand what's a house <laughs> show. You know, and it's like, um, so yeah, I would, I would have loved to seen that because I do think a part of, you know, uh, the reason why Kerry had such poor mental health was because he was working for Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon's a fucking monster. And he, I, I'm not saying Vince McMahon outright killed Kerry Von Eric, but he sure as shit didn't help. Um, and, and that was really disappointing too. It's like the more you read uh, into the Von Erichs, the more you knew that like a lot of wrestlers knew Kerry was really struggling and really didn't fucking do shit for him. Um, I know Bret Hart, yeah. there was only so much that he could do. He said he was just like, he tried reaching out to him and he tried. And I don't want to shit on Bret Hart. But like, it just seemed like everyone was kind of like, well, Kerry, man, I don't know what to tell you. Stop doing drugs and stop being sad. And it's like, you know, what did, What well, didn't, um, was there ever reports? And I, Mike, I can't remember because you guys are like the historians of the podcast, like. <laughs> Didn't somebody try to take Carrie's boot off because they knew that he didn't have a foot, and there was like some he, like, like he did it. He did it to fuck with
0: people. Oh, he there did. Were, it. Okay, yeah. There, there were incidents where Carrie to fuck That's with the guy, the other guy in the ring. Yeah, the other guy in the ring would like loosen up his 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 laces so that when the guy would go to do like an ankle lock or something, Carrie would slip out of it. That's yeah, like there were there were great. incidents where Carrie did it to be funny. But well, yeah. as
2: long as it's Carrie's doing and not somebody else's, but yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, you can't make a a movie that long and focus on Carrie and just being like, "Whoa, this is the most depressing movie I've ever seen." Um, right. But I didn't, I didn't find too many things wrong with it. Again, my biggest gripe was, oh that. no. <laughs> Was yeah. No, was I'm like not, my- I'm not saying I just, I've just
1: oh. been hearing some of the gripes about it and I get, and, and I mean, I, I say gripes, you know, very, um, sparingly I've, I've, everything I've heard about, you know, from even wrestling, uh, you know, other than the hardcore dickhead nerds, um, you know, has been just like, Oh, I, yeah, I wish they like, I wish they would have brought up Chris. Cause I mean, he was, you know, an important brother and I think kind of, you know, could have helped further tell the story of just how not awful Fritz was, but just, I mean, how, how rough it was being in that family, um, et cetera. And and Tom, you kind of hit on something even with Carrie, um, you know, and, and one of the things I wish they would have brought up though was, um, I don't know if you knew this Tom. um, but um, they didn't even like acknowledge the fact that he was a Von Eric when he first got to the WWE gym. I think you can kind of, I don't want to say back me he, up he on did it. would right. not say his name.
0: He was just yeah. the Texas tornado.
1: Yeah. I think it was Roddy and someone, I can't remember who else were like, no, do you know who this guy is? Like he's a fucking Von Eric. And like, they, they kind of broke away from Vince McMahon and whatnot. And I just, I, I stupid. think that that's kind of an important part to tell of again, that that's the hard part is like, you know, even Caitlin probably, I think she even was like, well, what are the territories? What does that mean? Et cetera. Where it would have been, I think for us wrestling fans, a nice, not necessarily a nod, but just how Vince, you know, again, kind of also, I I think it was a, Oh, you think you're better than me? Guess what? You're okay. You might be a Von Eric. Well, I'm going to put you on house shows now. You know what I mean? And, and maybe they, and maybe I'm just reading too much into it and wanting, you know, as a wrestling fan for them to really kind of be like, Oh, fuck you, Vince McMahon. But I think it's, Again, that subtlety where they, they you know, when uh, he comes home and he's like, oh, they, they you know, I signed a contract, but now they got me doing house shows. And that's, I think, you know, for any wrestling fan to be like a fucking Vince McMahon, like, how which dare is, you put a Von Eric on a house show? Which you is know? crazy just,
2: because like it on is paper, on paper, Kerry is like Vince's guy. Like if you've, I mean, if you ever, I mean, we all have, but like our listeners, if you ever look at pictures of Kerry Von Eric and... Know the history of Vince McMahon being the body guy. Like Kerry was the guy, but it just didn't work out. And I think part of yeah. the reason was because he had Vince knew he probably had a prosthetic foot and was like, No way, pal, that he's not gonna be, you know, I'm not gonna
1: have a one-footed champion. Like, as fucked up as Vince is, see, but I think it's I I think it's honestly because of the territories. I think it's because I think he was, I, I truly think he was like, Oh, oh, you, you're a Von Eric, you think that means something up here? You know what I mean? And he buried well, think, yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, absolutely at, right. I think he, did had it a lot it. he did it to everybody. He did it to
0: Dusty, for fuck's sake.
1: Yeah, he did it. Yeah, just, yeah. And, and Caitlin loved it too. Uh, by the way, my wife, um, who puts up with this wrestling <laughs> shenanigans uh, my and wife. whatnot, but she was she my made wife. a she, yeah. My wife, she made a comment that kind of sat with me for a minute, where she was like, "Could you imagine if the '84 Olympics didn't get canceled?" And I was like, "Yeah, because Kerry'd probably still be alive." Like, yeah.
2: I also think one of the, the hardest scenes in that movie is when she's like, I can't put the dress on.
1: Oh God. That's that when I,
2: I get, that's when I think I started being like, I'm going to start just crying at just for the rest of the movie where she's like, I can't do it. Like I can't put, I can't do it again. Well, even in
1: the, I mean, just when, when oh. I think he, obviously David was the first to, you know, pass when she like is wanting to cry and she like, she shakes it off and she's like, Oh, shake it because of Fritz.
2: Oh gosh, yeah. And she was like, this was God's plan, and God doesn't want us to cry. God's God wants us to like rejoice or something. And I was just like, You fucking monsters. Like, my God. Yeah. And Fritz comes out and he's like, take the sunglasses off. And you're just like, Yeah. Jeez, man. You just Yeah. And he immediately like launches into like his plan. Yeah. Oh
1: gosh. All by a coin flip. That's like, I think. Like, yeah. Well, and then like you know, last thing I'll say, you know, before we wrap up here is, and I think the thing that just that really got to me and, and, you know, was when, you know, Kevin on several occasions, you know, reached out to his mom and his dad and they were like, Oh, just, you know, figure yeah, that's your job. Like figure it out what? amongst yourselves. Like talk what, to your brother about you it. Like, yeah. And he's it's like, cool Jesus up. Christ. He's like literally calling his father saying like, I think Carrie's going to kill himself. And it's like, eh, figure it out. You know what I mean? Like talk to your brother. It's just like, Holy smokes. And like you, Tom, I know we were, Tom and I were kind of talking about it, Jim. And to all accounts, Fritz was, uh, he was very much like that was not the nicest guy in the world and just kind of a callous prick. (laughs) He's really only cared about himself. So, Hey, you know, folks go see the movie. It's great. I think non-wrestling fan, I think you, you, you'd love it as a wrestling fan. Obviously you'd love it. I think, my only ask is, you know, obviously we love wrestling, like don't fucking read into it with a green, just go for what it is. It's wrestling on the big screen. Yes, it's, a, it is, it's a tragic story and, and and it's a hard story, Um, you know, but it it's wrestling, go out and support it, Um, you know, and, and don't tear it to pieces because it is, it's a, it's a heartbreaking story, but ultimately I think in the end it's, it's kind of a beautiful story, you know, because I, I was really, really happy, you know, they showed that, essentially you know kevin and pam never you know married still married to this day and he got what he wanted which is everybody living together on a ranch and like i i thought that was really sweet a sweet way to end the movie so go see it a plus for me um you know i i don't want to put words in your guys' mouth but i think a plus is all around so oh yeah um yeah no go see it the iron claw God, i'm sorry great, great, great flare.
2: I, this is a d minus guys <laughs>
1: <laughs> really sank it to an f <laughs> yeah, just, well i think that wraps us up uh gents uh great conversation uh can't wait to see what's going to happen you know with more spotlights down the road and and willing to hear go see the fucking iron claw enjoy yourselves little bastards <laughs> <laughs>